0: This is a kind of thrift shop of soccer, Major League Soccer, and they have had their stars come in there. But usually, when there has been, this is not the case with Messi. Although uh, I don't know, is Messi far from his prime at 35 years old? People thought was he, he, he was
1: in? until the World Cup, and then they realized he's not.
0: But didn't they? Didn't they fix the World Cup? Wasn't the World Cup rigged so he that Messi would win? Of, he had a lot
1: of PKs, yes. Of, oh of come on! Pick. I the mean,
0: <laughs> guy would look at Messi cross-eyed,
1: penalty kick. All right, put him on the stripe. <laughs>
0: And, and it wasn't like uh, he was booming these penalty kicks either. I mean, Messi's approach on the penalty kicks is great. He really does go by the old, the old Brooklyn thing, right?
1: Yeah, mama. I was gonna say and it's then, like your dream. <laughs>
0: and then dribbles one through the middle, not even uh, like one side or the other. Look, I, I don't know much about the game in terms of uh, what kind of skill it takes. The way he maneuvers through six guys—that like, the problem with the game is it usually ends up in, in uh, a whole pile of shit. Nothing. <laughs> He makes all these moves, and he's exhausted, and he's running, and he's schvitzing, and you know, people are yelling and screaming, and then at the end of dribbling through six guys, uh, the ball goes out of bounds, and uh, the goalie picks it up and throws it to midfield. That's it.
2: The time! Wake Up With Defoe, joined by Luby. Welcome to The Defoe Show.
0: Another weekend that slipped by too quickly. Uh, welcome to the show. I peel yourself off the mat, Monday, Jeff DeForest and uh, the great Mike luby Lubitz. Another edition of the Defoe Show. Very happy to have you guys uh, with us. I don't know. We, get, we can't immediately start the condemnation of soccer here. Just to begin on a Monday is that uh, you know it's getting old for a lot of the people out there. The people that want to convince themselves, like the Republican Party does, that uh, Trump is a viable candidate, they're still trying to convince themselves that soccer is of some level of importance. <laughs> And I don't care about the rest of the Meshuggah in the world. They do weird things all over the world, don't they? You watch protests in other parts. Well, I guess you could watch them here, right, where people are crawling up the walls of the Capitol building. That was a good one. Notice there's very little mention of that by any of the uh, Republicans who are in denial. I saw an interview with Nikki Haley. Man, is she weak. My Uh, God. Yes. Why is she running for president? I mean, what an embarrassment that is. What platform is she running on? (laughs) Never. They don't run on
1: platforms. That stopped.
0: Does she have a single idea about how this uh, country can get better except to say, well, you got to stop weaponizing the Department of Justice and we really need to move forward. Never mind that this uh, guy is on tape, uh, like incriminating himself time more than John Gotti. (laughs) I mean, uh, the whole thing with Gotti was suppression of evidence and then occasionally they would buy a witness or a juror. And and that was that. Uh, So he got off. He was the Teflon Don. This isn't happening here, I don't believe. I don't think any of that stuff's happening. And, and you know, for these people, uh, uh, candidate after candidate, DeSantis, weak. Haley, weak. The entire Republican lot, with the exception of maybe a couple of people who have no chance of getting the nomination because, you know what? They're saying things that actually might be true. <laughs> what a ridiculous concept. Unbelievable. Yeah, I watched some of that over the weekend. Uh, that, that was insane. Uh, happened to be uh, popping around on the news shows in the morning on Sunday. And uh, there's Haley. She's being uh, interviewed on CBS. And, uh, I mean, every word out of her mouth is like, you're, you're stunned and disbelief. And, and this is like somebody that's sort of down the middle. How pathetic of a lot is She's that? Uh, anyway, you know, the good news is, you know, with the the Trumpster. And, uh, I mean, how did we not see this, Luby? That the reason he's getting indicted is because he's doing it for us.
1: Yes, yes. That's my That was favorite. one of the
0: great statements of all time.
1: He somehow found doing crime after crime after crime a way that that's a good thing
0: they somehow
1: are like yeah yes he only made himself and his family rich and really fucked our country uh for him i mean for us for us Us, actually for us us. us.
0: it's great it's on the phone with Zelensky. hey listen uh vladimir Huh? I mean, you find some dirt on Biden, otherwise that, that aid, that's getting cut off. That This was before the Russian invasion. Yes. Unbelievable. Now he's, of course, opposed to uh, any money going to the uh, Ukraine to support their efforts to, uh, you know, uh, preserve democracy in the uh, that part of the world. But, uh, you know, it, it's great, right? And he was doing that uh, just for us. He was calling Zelensky and saying, hey, listen, hey, you hey, get hey, some hey, dirt hey, on Hunter hey, Biden hey, or else. When he was calling this, uh, you know, poor woman, uh, you know, that uh, all of this stuff that he was saying about her or the election in Atlanta was doing it for us, right? When he was telling some guy to just uh, absolutely become as corrupt as he is and otherwise you know what? It's not going to look so good for you. Uh, doing it for us. It's all great. All on tape. Incredible. But, uh, and, you know, that was one of the big developments uh, over the week. And the other, the other thing that, that is a phenomenon, I Man, how is this Barbie movie like the biggest hit ever? What, what, what is up with that? So, Would you be caught so- dead coming out of the Barbie movie, Luby? I mean, honestly. Well, would you be worried that uh, some of the people that go to some of your trivia events uh, would see you coming out at a Barbie movie and say, <laughs> well, you don't care what people think. Well, at first that, that's glance, a good thing about you.
1: that was my thought. But then I, I read reviews and I saw some of the actors in it. It's actually not. It's more a, of a movie mocking Barbie. Like they have Barbie and Ken and I guess they introduce them into the real world and they mock how fucking weird they are compared to regular. Like it's not. For it's not as for women slash young girls as you would think seeing the name Barbie. It's more for adults and it's more sardonic and sarcastic and funny than it is for little kids. So that's why I can that's what's happened is it not only was big because people wanted to see it, but then word got out what it really is. I mean Wolf Farrell's in it, like it, it's there's the cast is actually really good. And supposedly it's really well written.
0: I'm not sure I'm a giant Will Ferrell fan anymore. I I don't know if he's been funny for the last 20 movies. He's turned into, uh, you know, the poor man's Adam Sandler. I I like
1: like Will Ferrell, but I I don't know. I'm not going to go. Shirley wants to see it, so I'll probably end up seeing it. Oh, geez.
0: Yeah, you're done.
1: Supposedly, it's actually way better than you, from a guy's standpoint, than you would think. Like, it's supposed to be really well written, and it's really creative and outside the box. So we'll see.
0: If I was going to see a movie about a doll, I, I'd rather see the movie about uh, that uh, voodoo doll of Danny Ainge that Pat Riley had in his office <laughs> and may still have. I don't know that he cares about Ainge so much now that he's not really associated I mean, Utah, with the yeah, Celtics. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he doesn't care. Who cares about anything that goes on with the Utah Jazz? Nobody uh, outside of the Osmonds. I mean, uh, and Dwayne Wade now is a part of that uh, organization. Anyway, let's get to some stuff here. Um, And, and these, these are obscure things that are kind of off the beaten path uh, to begin. We do have the football season. The preseason gets underway this week. will be this week. The countdown is over. And uh, Thursday night, we have the Hall of Fame game, correct? The Hall of Fame game oh, is uh, slated oh, wow. for this Thursday.
1: Yes. Nice. Oh, cool.
0: Now, uh, the Hall of Fame game, that, that uh, will be preceding, of course, the induction ceremonies, which will include... Uh, one of our uh, re- really, I mean, just uh, most admired people that that we've met here on the South Florida sports scene, and that is a great Zach Thomas. Yes.
2: Um, I, I don't know. Was it long
0: overdue that he got into the Hall of Fame? I mean, uh, I, I'm still a believer in the Ed Kaplan theory that, uh, that there should only be, like, one ballot for the Hall of Fame. Uh, you retire after five years. Uh, if uh, you uh, are a Hall of Famer, you're a Hall of Famer. Let as many people in as deserve to get in after uh, their retirement, uh, you know, little what was that what would you call it there respite i don't know period of time uh you know moratorium whatever you want to call it uh whatever the requirement is you get one shot at it and you're either a hall of famer or you're not is that fair Louie? would you like to see that kind of a position taken by uh, all of the uh, various uh, leagues and sports entities when it comes to their hall of fame selection this way you're not torturing jerry kramer to his fucking grave i mean come on what did they do to this guy
1: I mean, I, I do
0: think... Coach, Kuch would walk around all day long going, oh, I don't know, are they going to include me this year? I don't know, poor guy. He was delusional already. He was suffering from dementia. And, and, and still, they tortured this man right to his grave. And he never got in, right, Coach, Never, zero. I don't think so, no. No, never got in, Bob Kuchinberg, Kramer, the same thing. Remember how Kramer was a completely shot fighter when he was roaming around that last radio row. That uh, we saw him at, uh, Luby, the last yes, time we were there? he, he could barely it move. Super, well, I guess it was here, right? And uh, Chris Visser was uh, yep, handling yep, 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 yep. his uh, publicity and uh, trying to get him on a lot of shows, and a lot of people uh, didn't even know who he was, right? Jerry that Kramer. was problem.
1: In the early days when we were doing the Radio Rose, everyone wanted Jerry Kramer by the end, including yeah. us. By the end, including us, no one wanted And it. was Chris would have sad. like an
0: envelope full of $100 bills and say, please, just yeah. two seconds with Jerry Kramer, and let him mention the deodorant.
1: Well, because he had been doing the campaigning for Hall of Fame for so long that it was sort of sad by that point. Like It
0: really was, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, you're, you're saying, hey, look, Jerry, they're going to stick it to you again. Yeah. Just like KGB. I, I watched Rounders for the thousandth time over the weekend, a little bit of Rounders. It was so on at like 2 in the morning. I woke up on a Saturday night. Great movie, man. One of the best movies ever. Degenerate movies. I, I have to put it up there with, uh, I, I would say, the number one degenerate movie all time was the original version of The Gambler with James Caan. Tremendous. The Wahlberg remake? Yeah. Wow. That was, uh, come on, Mark. You could do better than that. You would think movies would improve when they do the remake, not, not go backwards.
1: It gets way worse. <laughs>
0: yeah. But they refuse to just preserve the subtleties of the themes and, and the darkness and the macabre side of being a degenerate sicko gambler, which, uh, listen, what is the uh, common denominator there, Luby? We are all fueled, everybody that gambles, uh, at any rate other than just the occasional bet on a Kentucky Derby, fueled by self-sabotage, just uh, as plain and simple as that. Uh, anyway, speaking of gambling, so uh, I go out to uh, – you'll find it surprising. I, I do my walk of life on Saturday. I went out around 1130. It was probably 1,000 degrees outside, Louis, and I come back, and I, I literally I was thinking, it, it's too hot to go to the beach, right? And even though I knew it was going to take the Mustang about an hour and a half to uh, regroup, and get ready for like a casino trip as opposed to going to the beach, which is across the street, wear whatever you're wearing, no problem. We'll schlep a couple of chairs. Uh, we'll find a way to uh, somehow uh, keep a couple of bottles of wine cold while we're out there. So uh, maybe we take the little wagon. Are you a fan of dragging a little wagon across the street there with all your stuff?
1: I mean, I never do. Uh, I presume when I have children, I'll have to do that focaccia crap where it's like you're going camping. Uh, so far, whenever we do go to the beach, it's very light. Because it's just two of us, you know, we're younger and...
0: Remember, you used to just go take a towel. If you even did that, right? You try to borrow a towel off some hot chick. Hey, you know what? I forgot to bring a towel here. Bring a towel. uh, I share yours?
1: Maybe we'll pick up food at, like, Publix or something on the way. Maybe. Um, We don't do the whole, like, bringing umbrellas and bringing beds and bringing... uh, Oh,
0: tents and, uh, you know, fancy tables. You know, I mean, literally, the service uh, looks like... You're at one of those high uh, highfalutin restaurants uh, like Carbone that uh, Mayo likes to frequent. No, we where, you know, I mean, and, and you're saying, My, look at that cheese platter. That's wonderful out there. Meanwhile, it's melting in a thousand degree sun. Yep. But yeah. I, I decided too hot to go to the beach. So, so I go to the track and uh, the local casino. Mustang gets buried on the slot machines. That's not a favorable trend. And I actually was winning money. But uh, my day was going to be made or broken by the horse Forte was running in a race called the Jim Dandy, a prep for the Travers at Saratoga, which, by the way, I I believe my friend uh, Frank Miramati is doing a great job calling the races at Saratoga. It's nice to see, too, where a guy rises to the occasion because I I thought uh, even though he does a fine job at Santa Anita, it was a little flat compared to what he's capable of doing, I thought. He was doing, you know, very straight laced. Uh, Maybe they told him not to fuck around at all. But uh, animated at Saratoga and uh, really fit in the bill uh, very, very well. Very accurate caller. Always was. But uh, in this case, uh, and this never happens to me, Luby, in any gambling situation where I get a favorable ruling from the officials, a a ruling so favorable that when you were looking at it, you were going, Man, anybody else that uh, didn't uh, get get, you know, the shake here really got fucked because the uh, horse Forte forges his way between two horses, a horse called Saudi Crown, who we eventually beat by a lip, and Angel of Empire, who, of course, uh, was a big factor in uh, what? Uh, the Kentucky Derby, of course. Uh, also, uh, I guess, what, ran in the Preakness, Angel of Empire?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. the second one. Yeah, the second leg.
0: Yeah. Okay, well, it was a factor in the uh, trifectas there and uh, the exotics. And uh, Forte with Iran Ortiz, who, who kind of uh, rides a little like he's riding in the rodeo. I, I, I think... He must have loved – if you ask him what his favorite movie would be, it's a little before his time, but maybe uh, this is where he got his writing style from. And he's great. I mean, the guy's brilliant. He, he's far and away the top jockey in the world right now, Iran Ortiz Jr. His brother, Jose, does very well, but Iran is the man right now. I believe he's also getting set to serve a short suspension for what was deemed to be rough and careless writing – Earlier in the Saratoga meet, I think he's uh, going to be out for a couple of days. I'm not sure what the story is there. I thought I picked that up uh, during the broadcast as uh, does Paul LaDuca look depressed.
1: I haven't, you haven't seen, seen, him. seen this huh? <laughs> no, He's on I Fox uh,
0: TV doing it. a race. He looks like a guy literally that's about to blow his brains out because he just lost uh, like all of that money he made with the Mets. Incredible. Paul LaDuca had to be making uh, what about five million a year as a baseball player. Might be empty. I, I don't know what his situation is. Uh, he, he was good friends with Craig Minervini. I'm not sure. We'll have to ask Minnie if LaDuca is flush. But, uh, he, uh, you know, I, and all of these guys were appalled when, you know, this this decision went up. And I read Ortiz uh, rides like he's, uh, you know, out of a scene in Ben-Hur. He really does. He doesn't mind shoving horses out of the way, whatever. I'm not sure that uh, the other jockeys – that they might be in admiration of the fact that he's been so successful, but uh, I'm not sure that they love the fact that, you know, here he, he was a clear-cut foul. I mean, he just mows the other horse down, Angel of Empire, and uh, pushes him to the outside, three pass over, uh, bullies his way through between horses, and everybody in the crowd there uh, that's at the bar where I'm watching this race is saying, Hey, he's coming down, he's coming down, he's coming down, which led me to believe that there was no way they were going to take this horse down. And then you watch the replays and you're thinking, oh, my God, if I've ever seen a basis for a disqualification, this is it. And then you get the scores. Judge Malvina Lathan scores the fight, 118-110 Canelo. And you're like, what? Canelo? What are we talking about here? So they left him up and it was uh, to my benefit, Louis. Never happens. Never happens where uh, I would have said, go ahead, take the horse down. I can live with it. And it'd be okay. Now I understand it's a stakes race. So maybe there's a little more reluctance to disqualify horse. Not that there should be. And uh, yet uh, they, they went ahead and uh, I ended up prospering from that. So that turned out very, very well. The uh, Crawford Spence fight. Wow. I I only saw highlights of it. I was too cheap to lay out the, uh, I think it was 83 bucks on the pay-per-view Crawford versus Spence, Errol Spence, Jr. And Terrence, Bud Crawford, Uh, this is a fight that's been talked about for uh, many, many years Everybody was upset. It was the usual stuff. It wasn't even the alphabet soup organizations that were keeping this thing from happening. But uh, as our friend Peter Kahn explained here on the show on Friday, uh, promotional considerations were uh, at the, uh, you know, at the essence of what was uh, keeping this thing from actually getting going. Uh, uh, Understandably so. And uh, look, it's a negotiation. I'm not sure what the final figures were. I I think Crawford was pushing for a 50-50 split. Spence's argument was that he had three of the titles in the welterweight division and that Crawford only had one, and it was uh, probably one of the minor ones, right? like the most minor of the four, the World Boxing Organization, the WBO. Uh, Even the International Bribery Federation, the IBF, has more prestige attached to its titles than the WBO does. But here you go. you got four champions in every division that are recognized, and, and then you have like a zillion other organizations that are claiming that uh, a guy is a world champion in a particular division, including, I mean, you remember this pitcher, Dean Chance? Dean Chance, he he is the commissioner of his own boxing organization, if you can believe it. It would be like you just starting out of nowhere, <laughs> the uh, WLUB, the loop, and starting to name champions and, and having fights between guys that have losing records and saying, okay, whoever wins this fight is going to be our champion. Dean Chance, I, I think it's uh, the IBC or something. Okay. which sounds like some music organization, right? Well, the IBCs are being held this week, and whoever wins that's going to Memphis <laughs> It's to compete. Uh, anyway, they get in the ring, and uh, Peter Kahn also was telling us, as uh, Brad Jacobs did, that uh, they favored Crawford in the fight. Crawford was a slight betting favorite. Uh, if you looked at the odds, that they were kind of daring you to bet that Spence would win the fight. Uh, Because uh, when you looked at the particulars, straight up, it it was uh, somewhat even. You were getting, I think, plus two something on uh, Errol Spence Jr. And, you know, these guys, you know, we say it all the time that there's a reason that they're able to keep the lights on in Las Vegas. And it's not because people are winning in general. I'm not sure how much of a differential this particular event would be in terms of the money they would make. I I would imagine because most people, uh, you know, towards the uh, fight time when they actually stepped into the ring, it seemed like uh, most of the sentiment was swinging towards Terrence Crawford as the eventual winner of the fight. And I was trying to convince myself that Spence had a chance, and and I couldn't do it. I, you know, I, I was going to be rooting for him. I, I like Errol Spence Jr., but uh, wow, uh, you, you wouldn't have needed much uh, to uh, figure out who, who got the best of it in this one, right? All you had to do was see Spence's face. Which uh, looked like he had been hit by a sledgehammer several times. Uh, knocked down in the second round, knocked down twice in the seventh round, but well, was getting annihilated when they finally stepped in and stopped it in the ninth round. Uh, mismatch from the first round on. And uh, it, 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 you know, I mean, that was a surprising differential in, in the talents of the two. Uh, immediately, uh, you know, naturally, there's an a rematch clause. I, I don't know why Errol Spence would want to step in there again. would you do no, a rematch?
1: Now, supposedly yeah. it wasn't. At- I meant to watch it, and then I like passed out like around twelve, and I woke up. Well, it was pay
0: per view. Like, you you wouldn't. You know, there's well, no way you're, you're shelling out eighty three bucks
1: for it. Well, my buddy had a link, so I would have been able to jack it. Um, but I was like passed out, and I woke up, and they're like Crawford manhandles Spence. I'm like manhandles. I'm like what the hell? I'm like total no annihilation, one. Yeah, total no domination. One. I'm like that was weird.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, he's been claiming forever, and a lot of people felt this way that, uh, you know, Crawford was the best fighter, yeah, pound for pound, pound, for pound, pound yeah. in the game today. Uh, I, I don't know that you could argue against that after uh, what we saw. I just saw the highlights of it, and it was enough to convince me. I mean, this was no slouch he was in there with. Yeah. Oh, no. Pence has been through a lot, and, and that would have been the one consideration I think that you had to see as a key factor there and say, uh, okay, a guy that's been in a rollover car crash and has come back, and, and really, you know, I don't know that he hasn't looked the same, but, I mean, eh, that that's going to take its toll on you eventually, and uh, it did well, when he got in there against a guy who uh, could actually, you know, not only match his power, but uh, yeah, exceed it in spite of the fact that he was coming up from a, a lower weight division. Uh, here's what I love about Formula One racing, Louis. The same guy wins every week. Every week, this uh, Verstappen, does he ever lose? I think he's won eight straight Formula One races. Now, now, what is the excitement? What is with the glitz and the glamour of these Formula One races, where uh, meet people from all over the world, uh, the uh, most elite of celebrities, the upper echelon uh, of celebrity stature, like like Tom Brady's a putz when he comes out there. Hey, Brady, yeah, yeah. No, your seats are in the back, Tommy. I mean, I don't even know that he gets a you know a, a suite when he goes to one of these races. Uh, what what is the appeal of this? I mean, the same guy wins every week every single week it's the same result
1: i've never watched it i i don't care any look nascar got a little into it because of being at the race there's an atmosphere they like to bring food and alcohol in that seems fun you know but the actual racing was boring it's loud the loud noise is cool but the actual racing it's just cars going around a track like i i i've never understood any form of watching people drive cars I, we live in south florida driving cars are, Ourselves is enough yeah. of a fucking. They could adventure. just take video of '95 okay. on any given day. <laughs> like, I've never I've the never answering get...
0: tramp on Hallandale Beach Boulevard.
1: Yeah, I don't get it. Yeah, I've never. It's probably
0: more exciting in terms of action, possibility of crashes, uh, people doing crazy things. Uh, more exciting. Talk about Iran Ortiz Jr. pulling his way through horses. More exciting than Formula One racing, but um, uh, good sport, right? If you like to see the same guy win every week. <laughs> The same guy wins every week. He wins every race. First Stafford, Unbelievable. Uh, the Marlins in action against Detroit. That, that was big. Uh, Miguel Cabrera coming back. And, uh, you know, it was nice to see people celebrate that. Uh, Marlins still generating crowds. They made some moves at the trade deadline that you would say, okay, they tried something. They got Robert. Well, they from the Mets. They not mess. done.
1: They made some moves so far. The trade deadline's tomorrow. Yeah. and su- They're supposed to still be active and trying to bring in a bat. And possibly I mean, a starter. What do and you think? Is it going to happen? What do you think? I think, think so. About? Yeah. I mean, literally, in every report I see, they're mentioning four or five teams that are looking for this, looking for that. And the Marlins are mentioned in every report. Like this w- this weekend was big. I mean, they've struggled. They got annihilated Saturday versus a really bad Tigers team, and they almost lost yesterday and lost the series versus a really bad. They Tigers did their team. best to lose at,
0: at AJ Puck. I hate to say it, man. I'm sure he's a decent human being. Seems like he would be a nice guy. He looks like, uh, you know, he'd kind of be, you know, uh, somewhere, you know, in, in mid-Florida you would run into this guy if you were asking him for directions to loose. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You see some guy that looked like A.J. Puck. Because uh, the beard with no mustache look always freaks me out a little bit. It's very Amish-esque. Yes, Is it right. not? Oh, yeah, for sure. It's like, uh, did you just, like, forget how to shave or you've been churning <laughs> butter all day to the point where you got busy, huh? <laughs> And whatever happened to those heaters you he used to make? How come they're not in vogue anymore?
1: So the fact Remember that-
0: the heaters thing, and then you know you saw the truck pull up with the parts, and they were made in China. <laughs> <laughs> like Chinese lettering on it. <laughs> As the guys go, yeah, no, we make everything right here, man. We never move. We never leave the house. Even say, the kids—they're all in on this.
1: It's in Taiwanese. <laughs>
0: Aj Puck. I know. So their offense, uh, he, he has become the new Dylan Flora for me.
1: Yeah, he sucks. But their yeah. uh, offense woke up just enough. Garcia and Segura, of all people, uh, were the heroes. Yeah. And Robertson came in and did what a close is supposed to do. Uh, what Puck did the first half and hasn't done Man, this. Since he made it look easy, easy in
0: that ninth inning, didn't he? Nice and easy. Yeah. They
1: did take the series. They're now back in the wild card. They're only a half game back of the number one wild card spot. Um, so yes, they're in a spot. No, I think games. I think
0: they're in the uh, wild card. They're spot, the third. Right? They're in the third. Yeah, okay. they're
1: tied with the second, and they're a half back of the Giants for the first.
0: Well, head to head with the Phillies that starts tonight, doesn't yes. it? Yes, yes. They now have a Phillies series uh, a big four Phillies. game series against the Phils. Big. Cabrera for the Marlins and uh, Taiwan uh, Walker okay. for the uh, Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if my son still does his taxes. Walker he's having oh. a good season from a one loss standpoint, eleven and four earn-run average is over four, which um, is that the new three? Luby, if your earn-run average is above four, can we just accept that? Same, yeah, yeah, that bit. I mean, it's
1: okay. What do you think? I mean,
0: it used to be a disgrace, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, it's not good from a reliever. Or even a, it's starter, a, start. a starter, it's not good. It's horrible yeah. for a reliever. For a starter, it's not good at all, but I get, they've always given the American League leeway, so I don't know, maybe an American League starter, I, I, I don't know. It doesn't apply
0: anymore, though. No, D H DH DH everywhere. I know.
1: Um, that's not a good okay, array, no, no. But he, I, I don't know. Everything, everyone's look. Look at Al Contra. So I, I can't really judge uh, people's pitching outside. Oh, this guy—he's
0: he's been a winning pitcher uh, for the Philadelphia Phillies, and you know, he, he was good with the Mets last year. Uh, which, speaking of which, what, what grade of diluted drip do you need to uh, deal with being a Mets fan now? That they're trading off everybody, and uh, I guess Verlander now wants out because uh, he said, "How oh, you traded Max?" Max opened up a big mouth and said, oh, "What you traded Robertson?" <laughs> and the next thing you know, he was gone. Although uh, you know he hasn't been terrible this year. Uh, Max Scherzer, Scherzer but has
1: been okay. Scherzer's been okay. Uh,
0: Verlander, uh, so. of late, I believe, has been very, very effective. Also, He's just been to
1: hurt, and you're always waiting for him to be hurt again. I mean, they're not winning. Why have Why have that payroll to not win? It's just not working.
0: Uh, the question, you know, is always, where do we go from here? I like the song. The seller. And, and, and it's a good question, isn't it? Because, um, and, and, and this is the other thing. We have no idea. I would be leery of trading for Marlins prospects because Marlins prospects very rarely pan suck. out for the Marlins.
1: Well, the pitchers do well. The hitters yeah. the suck. <laughs>
0: Who, who's scouting for this team, right?
1: That's a great question.
0: Is it still Bertie Tebbets? No, he checked out <laughs> years ago. Remember they had that legendary old guard? I think Dave Dabrowski put it together. It was a nice tribute to uh, some really old, you know, stodgy baseball players and legends. And Bertie Tebbets, I think, at at 107 years old, was one of their chief scouts. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he, he
1: uh, likes, uh, he, he that was a hit they gave him a hit Oh, I thought I was in there on the first place he like scouted Jackie Robinson <laughs> yeah he
0: was in there uh, he thought Heine Minouche was a can't miss prospect and you know what he was right Old Heine, Heine. Heine Manush, my favorite guy soccer still sucks I, I, I'll um, you know, end this segment with that
1: I watched none of it uh, are we
0: waiting till Wednesday I, I've given up on the Women's World Cup I'm sorry Jim Sarney. we love you yeah, we suck. love you love you love you I love anybody that's a, such a diehard sports fan that they're into uh, minutia about the women's golf tour and things like that. I, I have great respect for them. And I'm thinking, geez, I, I should know all this shit. But then I start, you know, rethinking my position and saying, yeah, I mean, just like you guys don't care that Forte stayed up in the race at Saratoga and the Jim Dandy. I just I I, I can't buy into uh, the importance of, uh, you know, the, this uh, whole Women's World Cup. And, and what it means. And by the way, that, that uh, Rapinoe was was a coach's decision not to play in the last game. She didn't even play. She's complaining now. She's pitching. Very uh, characteristic of, uh, you know, the, her position about being a teammate. And, um, yeah, they, they, they look like garbage, right? What was that, the Netherlands they uh, had a draw with? one had 1-1. a
1: draw, and the Netherlands is like the fourth or fifth best team. They're not even one of the teams that are really supposed to challenge for it.
0: Yeah. All right, well, I, I, you know what? It would be easier, you know for me to deal with the if they got eliminated and I can never root against the United States of America they in any Tuesday. international sporting event.
1: Tuesday, Portugal. Okay.
0: okay. All right. Well, that's going to be a big one there, uh, Louie. <laughs>
1: Wednesday's Messi is the next Messi game. That's what I'm talking Oh, okay, for. Messi, yeah. <laughs> How many goals?
0: What's he over under goals the over-under on goals for Messi? It's got to be like league. one hook every game, right? Everybody has to think he's going to get at least two.
1: It seems like it.
0: After this performance the other day, did he uh, leave the game at halftime after scoring a couple of goals? He left at I'm not the 78th sure.
1: minute, so he played almost the entire game.
0: Anyway, and he's just working his way into the system here.
1: Yes, he had two goals and an assist, and they were all very easy. <laughs> like, I know, it was a joke. <laughs> it's like, this is done. It, it really does. Uh, he,
0: he looks like he's playing an erect game in Hialeah. Yes, yes.
1: It really does look Where, like you know, You know
0: when you turn on East 4th there when you're going to Hialeah Park and you're on 103rd Street and uh, you see that sign and,
1: and, and it just
0: it, it hits you like uh, you know, like the white light that you've seen and it says Hialeah High School, home, home of the thoroughbreds. Yep, yep, yep. And you see that field there and there are guys actually playing soccer out there trying to get a game together. Hey, Joe, you want to run with us? Yep. Okay, good. Yep,
2: yep.
0: I I don't see any baskets here. What are we talking about? And and then they start like a recreational soccer game. The most futile thing that you could ever engage in, (laughs) I I think, in your life. Good. uh, Football season's coming up Thursday, the Hall of Fame game, and, and a lot of stuff going on. A lot of negotiations and renegotiations and holdouts Jonathan and ceremony. Now,
1: Jonathan Taylor's asked for a trade. <laughs> Jonathan Taylor
0: wants to come to the Dolphins. Everybody wants and to come Ursae, to the Dolphins.
1: And Ursay, Ursay's like, "Fuck Jonathan Taylor." <laughs> doesn't care about this guy. He doesn't give a shit. He's our whole team.
0: <laughs> Jim Ursay. Yeah, we'll we'll start with Brett Tesser with that. Jim Ursay. We'll just uh, say Jim Ursay uh, and let him go. Oh my God. All right, now coming back the Ancient to the Stars later on Jason Cole our uh, resident uh, well I guess uh, you know he does he have a residency here. No, we're, we're fortunate that uh, when you call he actually takes your calls. Yes. He has never texted you lose my number? No, no, never. Never. All right. It's impressive. So unusual for anybody associated with this show on a regular basis. Honestly. Uh Jason Cole going to join us and uh what is it outkick? Is that
1: outkick.com? Uh, outkick.com.
0: Outkick com is his new uh, platform, and uh, that is run by what, which conservative goon uh, the king runs of them, that?
1: The Clay, whatever the one that took over for Russia. Clay England. Travis. Clay yes. Travis. Yes.
0: What What's his story? Wasn't he a sports guy? He
1: was a college football guy who was really good at college football, and then remember when Peyton Manning that stuff from when he was in college came out a few years ago um, about where he like possibly assaulted the. Uh, medical person, athletic trainer when he was in college. But oh, yeah. Old news and had been settled. So it really didn't affect him in any way, but it became this firestorm. Clay Travis, who to that point was just a college football guy, didn't get into anything political at all, is a big Tennessee guy. So when the world was saying Peyton Manning should be punished, there should have been some kind of a punishment. He got off easy. Da 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 da. This woman's giving these graphic stories. That were sort of in the middle of graphic. It was like he was sort of a college kid being a jerk off more than he was actually assaulting her. But either way, it yeah, became a fire. It wasn't good
0: for a very clean cut guy, baby.
1: Tra- it had been years. It was like it had been a dec- over a decade at that point.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, Clay Travis, who's a Tennessee guy, was. You can't
0: v- escape dirt anymore,
1: Louie. He was, I mean, whatever. Yeah, if you do some shit, it should come back to you. But um, who's a big Tennessee guy, defended Peyton Manning wholeheartedly no matter what. Right. And in that, it brought out a certain group of the population to his side, and he realized, huh, so if I dig into this, <laughs> there's a whole bunch of people out here that believe a lot of this crazy shit. So he next dug thing it. you
0: know, he's Rush Limbaugh. Yeah. He
1: did it with sports, and he stuck to sports, but went all in to where it would bleed into politics, and yeah. then he became like the king of Fox, and now took over for Rush. I like our and buddy uh, Sid Kit.
0: Rosenberg, very similar uh, yes. approach. Outkick uh, got,
1: got bought by Fox, and he, like, leads Outkick.
0: Uh, You know what? I mean, when you put one of those scores away, that's it, right, Louie? You you can just, uh, you know, rest on your laurels at that point. A guy that's making score after score, though, uh, and uh, very prosperous as an NFL agent. Going to join us, Brett Tesser, the agent of the stars. And we'll uh, kick off uh, in-depth NFL coverage with Brett Tesser here today on the program in a moment. Now that. 7.34. 7.34. Get a player's card when you walk through the door for all kinds of generous amenities, including our favorite free play. When you come out to the ultimate casino and entertainment destination, highly apart.
1: These days we're all looking for comfort anywhere we can find it. Thank goodness for land lovers, raw bar, and grill in the plantation, because they are making sure you are as comfortable as possible. First of all, they're not only open for delivery and pickup. All you have to do is go to landlubbersbarandgrill.com for both pickup and free delivery. You're going to have the best wings in the world. You're going to have a great burger. You're going to have their amazing soups. Again, Landlubbers, raw bar and grill. It's nice and easy. Just go to landlubbersbarandgrill.com for both your pickup and free delivery. Thank goodness for Landlubbers for making you always feel right at home. Are you looking to buy your first home? Have you been turned down for a loan? Do you need to refinance or
0: get money out of your home? Call Michael Codsey, CEO of Choice Mortgage. He's been helping the South Florida community get mortgages for 30 years. Hi, this is Michael Codsey, CEO of Choice Mortgage. We have the most competitive fixed rates in the market. Call me 24-7, 561-441-2730. And remember, I don't just work banking hours. To make the right choice for your home, call Choice Mortgage today. Pleasures of this job, the way a stadium sounds when one of my players performs well on the
1: field, the way we are meant to protect them in health and in injury, less one, more attention, caring for them, caring for ourselves in the games too. The agent to the stars, the one and only Brett Tesler.
0: Welcome back to the show on Appeal Yourself Off Mat" Monday, The Defoe Show, Jeff DeForest, and uh, very lively, Mike Luby-Lubitz here today. And the football season is upon us. We have the Thursday Hall of Fame game, first of the preseason endeavors in the National Football League. Training camps are all open around the leagues and uh, around the league. And uh, on, on top of that, you, you have the usual kind of stuff. that goes on at the beginning of training camp, some shocking injuries, Where, uh, you know, in the case of the Dolphins, Jalen Ramsey out essentially for um, what should be most of the season. Talking about a possible December comeback, uh, hopefully sooner. But uh, nonetheless, one of their stars, that key acquisitions in the offseason, already off the board here uh, for at least, uh, you know, the very least, the first half. uh, Had a couple of other injuries around the league. and, And you have, you know, the usual barking about contracts and holdouts and things like that. Um, sort of on the periphery there and some stars involved in that as well. We welcome to the show, speaking of stars, the agents of stars, uh, Brett Tessler. And uh, Brett, how are you? Are, are you back in town? What, what's going on? Because uh, football season's getting ready to fire up. Nope, not back in town
3: yet. We'll be soon. And uh, football season is ready to fire up and it's just an exciting time. It's amazing just how quickly everything goes. And so, You know, to fans on the outside, um, you know, obviously the season ends and it seems like forever until the next season comes. But, you know, when you're working inside the league and you're dealing with recruiting and you're dealing with all-star games, dealing with the draft, dealing with free agency, it's just kind of one thing after another, after another. And here we are.
0: All right. A lot of things happening already uh, of interest, uh, you know, and... We'll see how impactful you think some of this stuff is going to be. Now, the big story uh, and, and, you know, the the narrative that we heard the most during the offseason, what was uh, how running backs are getting screwed now. We've talked about it here on the show that the pay scale relative to other positions, especially in light of the fact that these are guys that are having their careers more marginalized, maybe than anybody, because they're taking, you know, 20, 30 hits a game uh, at the very least uh, uh, are being underpaid. Um, well, we saw a, a variety of different things happen. Uh, Saquon Barkley eventually signed uh, his uh, tender, and uh, franchise tag tender with the uh, Giants. Uh, we, we saw Pollard uh, in uh, Dallas seem to be satisfied with what was happening there. Uh, we've seen guy, the guy in Vegas he, he just decided uh, he got on a plane in to McCarran, took a red eye out of there, wasn't going to participate in training camp. And then we have this thing with Jonathan Taylor now where we're requesting a trade Dalvin Cook is still out there unsigned, uh, so so it, it's very strange uh, what, what's happening. But but, but what, what do you make of this Jonathan Taylor story? Because uh, I would imagine you've had dealings with with uh, Jim Irsay. It, it always strikes me on when you have Ursay, uh, you know, being critical of something that's going on in the league or talking about Dan Snyder being unfit to own a team. Because I keep having this image of him getting out of the car there with like an AK forty seven and fifty grand in cash, inexplicably sitting there, uh, you know, in the glove box, but. Um, what, what do you make of that story with they and saying Taylor, where the owner just comes out and says, Hey, you know what? Fuck it. We'll never trade this guy. And uh, we don't need him yet. anyway.
3: So obviously I, you know, throughout the years I've represented players on every team in the league and I've had a pretty fair amount of Colts players. I represented a pretty decent player there a couple of years ago who has since moved on and, uh, the Colts have always been for whatever reason, a little bit of an unusual franchise. Um, you know, and at different Um, points at at different points, they've had success, um, at other times, not as much. Um, and, you know, ideally at the start of training camp, when everybody's excited, players are excited to come in and compete. Fans are excited about really kind of the official start of the new season, um, I don't think it's ever really a ideal thing to have one of 32 owners come out and say things that are so antagonistic and inflammatory uh, during a time when you know, players at that position are really already on the edge. And so I think um, the organizations that when asked about the running back situation tend to take a little more of a diplomatic or philosophical um standpoint on why things are the way they are um you know to really come out and blame agents or blame players or blame the players' association. I just don't really understand the logic in it, but hey, you know um he's he's a very uh how um, should I say a uh, unique guy, and uh <laughs> and so he said what he said. And uh, obviously his star running back, Jonathan Taylor did not take kindly to it as you would expect. And uh, so now we're in the position we're in where there's a standoff there. And uh, it's just, it's really unfortunate the whole deal with running backs around this league. And, you know, like you and I have discussed representing where he most over the years. Um, I think everybody who is directly involved saw a very sharp turn happening this season. And, um, You know, that's kind of why in our situation, the offer that we ended up taking with the Dolphins, which, you know, it's not a bad offer. And obviously, uh, um, you know, there's a lot of upside in our contract. And so, you know, if it was something we didn't think was worth taking, we wouldn't have taken it. But on the other hand, we understood very quickly when talking to the Dolphins, when talking to other teams, uh, when talking to agents of other running backs, uh, when talking to the Players Association, it became very obvious very quickly that something is strange. You know, something's up, something's uh, something's happening here that, uh, you know, made, made you realize very early on that it was going to be a buyer's market. And as you mentioned, with, you know, names like Dalvin Cook available, um, Kareem Hunt, Fournette, others, um, the supply still outweighs the demand. And so with the quarterback contracts that we're seeing where you're seeing what I think most reasonable football minds would consider to be, you know, average to above average quarterback, certainly not superstars, um, putting up, you know, astronomical numbers in their contracts and good for them. You know, if if you can get it, take it, but it's definitely affecting the rest of the team more than ever because again, in years past, Uh, You know, Peyton Manning, fine. Ben Roethlisberger, fine. Uh, But some of the contracts you're seeing these days, uh, especially on the teams that you mentioned having some of the issues with their franchise-type running backs, um, you know, essentially you're robbing Peter to pay Paul. And it's just one of those deals where it's definitely not a great time to be a good running back in the NFL today because unlike years past, where running back was always the most respected, uh, the most well-compensated. You know, obviously, you, you look back in the good old days, the days of Walt, Walter Payton, days of, um, um, you know, Emmitt Smith, uh, Barry Sanders. It's just, you know, for me, the, the years that I became an agent were the years of Terrell Davis. And so you saw the impact that those guys had on literally carrying their teams, in many cases, uh, to and through the Super Bowl uh, <clears throat> to see what it's turned into today is certainly frustrating and there's been a lot written, there's been a lot said and you know players at that position are very much on the edge right now. nobody's happy. and they shouldn't be because when you when you play one of the more physical positions in the league and essentially the team carries your rights, uh, for six years w- with, you know, a four-year contract as a drafted player and two years that the team could franchise you and they could carry you for seven years if you're a first-round pick with the fifth op- fifth-year fifth option on top of that. Essentially, you have a guy held through his career uh, without ever truly having the ability to hit free agency and uh, and strike it rich, so to speak. So it's just it's a really difficult time, and I'm just going to be very interested to see the way things ultimately pan out over the coming years because the way this season uh, has gone, this offseason for that position, is certainly uh, a sign of uh, of potentially worse things to come.
1: Well, and and there's a few things here, but look, and you look like a guy like Pacheco with the Chiefs who came out of nowhere because that's what they're saying, right? You can draft a guy fifth, sixth, seventh round, and he can be a star, and that's what that kid did. He came in, and he looked every bit apart for the Chiefs, he was drafted late. They'll be able to pretty much take out his prime. And then when he is for agency, he's never going to get a real contract. At least some of these higher draft picks see some of the money. Like Saquon Barkley is going to get $11, 12000000 a year um, as long as he's franchise-tagged. But since you bring that up, as an agent, we see, look, the NFL players haven't gotten to the place where the uh, NBA players are or major league baseball players where they seem to rule the roost. But we have seen some make sure teams know that they're in control of their own destiny, a la Aaron Rodgers. We've seen Brett Favre do that in the past. Seen Tom Brady cut ties with the Patriots and go and win a Super Bowl on on his own, away from Bill Belichick. Do you see a line in the sand where the players say, look, we can't take this anymore, and some kind of a, a strike or some kind of a, thing with the contracts because the way the contracts are now, not only you get four or five years and then you get the franchise tags, you can literally, like you just said, use up an entire career for running backs. Do you see at some point there being a a stand where the players like, no, we can't, we can't do this anymore. We need to work out, change the way the contracts are.
3: So it's a tough situation because obviously we have a collective bargaining agreement, which was negotiated between our union and the league and you know that that document is in place it's it's legal it's enforceable and uh you know so there's only so many remedies that each side has when an issue arises and usually in order for one side to get something they need uh once that agreement is in place they have to be willing to give up something that the other side wants to take and so it's it's a difficult situation to be realistic. As far as the leverage of NFL players, um, it doesn't come close to any of the other sports. Part of the problem is, like, you know, you mentioned basketball, for example. How many players are in an NBA roster? Is it like a dozen or something? Yeah,
2: and 15.
3: In, 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 in the, yeah, in the NFL, I mean, the rosters are four or five times that big. Yeah, uh, our rosters are double the size of hockey, double the size of baseball, and so when you play in a sport where uh, each team has so many players, it really tends to lessen the impact of any one player, like it would in a basketball where there's five men on the court at one time, and if you've got the right guy, if you've got a transcendent talent like a LeBron or, you know, a Jordan or a Durant or that kind of guy, it can essentially change the entire fortunes of your whole team. Whereas in football, yes, obviously a franchise quarterback would be the closest thing to that guy, but that guy can't do it alone without offensive line help. uh, Can't do it alone without other weapons to throw to. And so it's just, there's a lot more moving parts in our league and our sport than there are in the other three major leagues and major sports. So it's it's always been uh, a little bit of a different deal in football. And the owners have always had the, the biggest upper hand and they enjoy in any sport for that matter. And, uh, you know, there's probably no sign of that changing dramatically. And so it's just kind of one of those things where our players and us as agents – in any situation have to try to make the best out of things, you know, make, make things as, as, as as good as you can. And in some cases, uh, you know, players will occasionally have a big upper hand in this league, but it's usually not to the degree that you see other athletes in other sports have.
0: Remember uh, Jalen Ramsey showing up in Jacksonville with the Brinks truck and then uh, going to L.A. and making a big splash there. And you're thinking, wow, this is going to be a pretty dynamic duo that they have with the X-Man and Jalen Ramsey, a man in the corner positions for the Dolphins this year. Uh, he goes out, and my recollection of Eli Apple uh, is uh, him uh, looking like Toast Patterson with the Giants. <laughs> and the Giants fans uh, just absolutely uh, writhing in horror at the prospect that uh, this guy was going to be out there trying to uh, play past defense. Uh, I, I don't know if he's uh, solidified himself, uh, you know, uh, much since then. It seems like he's still in the league, so that's a good sign. Uh, now with the Dolphins as essentially a replacement for Ramsey, I guess. Um, how big of a blow is that uh, for the Miami Dolphins to lose Jalen Ramsey until possibly uh, December?
3: Tough break for the Miami Dolphins, obviously a tough break for Jalen Ramsey. You know, you never want to see any player get hurt. Um, you know, and especially a player that from a, uh, a fan standpoint, from a team standpoint, somebody who can really make a difference and help the Miami Dolphins in an area where, you know, people felt like an upgrade was necessary. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's a, certainly it's a blow, but so goes life in the NFL. You know, this is something that every team every day has to um, be prepared for has to anticipate the possibility of happening and you know when it does happen um you go down your emergency list and you see who's out there and you see who um you think has some experience especially at a demanding position like corner and you know i i think a lot of people would agree that eli apple's career probably hasn't panned out um the way that was expected when he was a very you know high pick. pick years ago but
0: yeah. Uh, you're more so, diplomatic than uh, Sean Payton. I mean, I, that's for sure. i putting it that way. So
3: <laughs>
0: he's, he's, You know, look, I
3: mean, obviously you have to respect yeah. any player who's been for in sure. the league for years. And, and in the case of Eli Apple, he has played in some big games. He has faced some top competition over the years. So nobody expects to be able to replace a, a Jalen Ramsey-type talent, um, you know, here at the end of July. Uh, with guys that are still sitting at home. But this is where teams will look toward experienced guys. And and I think that good coaches are able to help scheme and try to cover up certain areas. And so I think schematically and with a a committee of players, you can try to still put together a good defense there. And, you know, the good news for the Miami Dolphins, I think when people think about this team, I think they think about offense. I think they think about Tyreek. I think they think about Waddle. I think they think about Mostert. Um, I think, you know, people think about Tua hopefully uh, continuing to emerge. So uh, this is a team that many of their wins are going to come from outscoring people. And defensively, I think that, uh, you know, they, they know what they need. They know what they have. And um, these coaches know what to do to try to, you know, put the uh, the best 11 guys they can out there.
0: All right. Well, it's a tough blow. As you said, we've seen a couple of other uh, injuries around training camps. Uh, you get, I mean, uh, d- does it happen? I mean, do, do you feel a little something uh, in your pulse when the hall of fame game kicks off? Uh, when do you start to, you know, r- really buy into the idea that, uh, Hey, it's on and it's football season.
3: Oh, you know, I've, I've been bought into it because, you know, again, to the average fans, you know, the off season programs just kind of there and, You know, maybe there's some young guys that people are excited about that you'll hear a a snippet of this, a snippet of that. But, you know, for me and my clients, obviously, uh, we've been engaged the entire process and, you know, really preparing to come into training camp as mentally and physically ready as possible to come in there and compete. And um, so, you know, again, I guess you're right from this point, it seems like, you know, camp just opened and, you know, in the blink of an eye, then you're in the preseason with that first Hall of Fame game. So things from this point on really do uh, progress quickly. And before you know it, the season will be upon us.
0: All right. Sounds good. Uh, Brent, we'll let you get back to chopping wood. What do you have going there in uh, Wisconsin? And and, uh, are you in mild temperatures as compared to uh, what the rest of the country is experiencing?
3: Nah it's very nice here. It's probably 65 degrees right now. Oh, Jesus.
2: uh,
3: Wow you know, just, 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 just relaxing, but, uh, yeah, obviously still working here. I can work anywhere that I'm at. And so, you know, have an office, have my set up here and, uh, you know, obviously doing everything that needs to be done on my end as camp approached and now here we are in it. And so, you know, certainly I'll be keeping an eye on things as always, and uh, looking forward to get getting, getting back to get to uh, South Florida soon.
0: Do you have guys that are waiting to sign and, and, you know, cause uh, that's, you have so many developments uh, going on in the early stages of training camp. I would imagine that there are, you know, uh, many people, uh, you know, uh, around, uh, you know, the NFL fringe there uh, hoping, hoping to get a shot and get in there in a training camp yep. situation. Yep. There are some vet clients that uh, still I, I have
3: and, and, and every other agent out there has because the way it works is over time uh, guys who are not top paid or not established as top flight starters in many cases, as each year goes by the league tries harder and harder to replace those guys with a young guy, a cheaper guy, a developmental type guy. But what, what ends up happening is at some point, you know, once the kids they try to go with show that they can't cut it or teams have injuries, that's when they go ahead and turn to a guy who's been around, a guy who's been proven. And uh, in time, those guys end up getting opportunities. And when those opportunities come, Uh, the team's not signing that kind of guy just to have a a camp body. So when a team ends up turning to a a veteran out there who's still available, whether it be, you know, as we mentioned, like a Kareem Hunt at the running back position, Leonard Fournette, some of the other guys at different positions, uh, when the opportunity comes, those guys usually end up in good situations where they're needed and where, you know, based off their experience, they can make it and continue their career at least for another year.
0: All right. Sounds good. Brent, uh, thanks so much. Uh, everybody's excited. We're, we're getting ready to go here and, and have a game uh, coming up this week that we can actually wager on. So uh, that gets our red uh, degenerate blood uh, flowing a little bit uh, quickly and more heated as well. Uh, thanks so much, as always, for being with us. It's always a pleasure, my friend.
3: Pleasure's mine, guys. Have a great
0: week. Thanks. All right. Thanks a lot. Brett Tesser, the agent to the stars. You think that Peter Kahn, uh, who was on the show Friday, he said he lived a few doors down from Tesler there in Coral Springs? Yes. Uh, do, do you think he asked him to buy the fight? I guess, uh, you know, he wasn't here. So <laughs> could we have <laughs> just gone in, you know, with the key or whatever and, uh, you know, I, gone you know. ahead and punched up the fight? On. You, you say you had a link to it, Mr. Pirate? Mr. I, Roche didn't, Simpson? I no.
1: didn't. My buddy told me he had one and he watched it that way. I never got to that. I was. How, how
0: convoluted boy. is it to try and uh, fire that thing up? I mean, do alarms start going off? Do you start getting, no, you know, no, sirens the going? Is there's
1: like, there's this there's always sites that have these links. You, you have to try a, a bunch of the links, and like eventually, whenever you do find a good link, it doesn't always hold the entire event. So yeah. a lot of the time, halfway through the event, it'll get weird, and then you got to find another link. So I usually just say screw it. But I would have, I would have done it for this fight. I wasn't paying a hundred dollars for this fight, but
0: no. Mostly uh, the undercard, uh, very good also.
1: Oh,
0: nice. You had uh, the Filipino Flash, Nonito Donaire at 40, oh, who man, uh, somehow resurrected his career. When it looked fine. like he was finished at 35. And guess who, uh, you know, I, I don't know if he's still in his corner. I didn't see this, but, uh, you know, the, the guy that helped him uh, rejuvenate himself. When Victor Conti
1: oh, suddenly
0: showed up in boxing, yes. <laughs> and Denier, who was finished, uh, you know, uh, you know, he looked like Roger Clemens out there. He could have won the Cy Young, I think, if he wasn't competing for the Bantamweight Championship. So, uh, yeah, but he, he he lost a close fight, uh, which was very competitive. And I guess uh, this guy, Isaac Cruz, the pit bull, uh, he, uh, he also, I, I don't know if his nickname is a Pitbull. I think it is. But uh, a- anyway, he is a pit bull of sorts. And uh, he, he was in a very competitive fight also and then Crawford Spence turned out to be a blowout. But, uh, yeah, that, that would have been, if I could have pirated it, I probably would have. Uh, I, but I, I, do remember, I have bad luck with that kind of stuff. I, you know, I've told the story many times. I, I uh, was getting the uh, black box with the card when the satellite TV was big and nobody wanted to pay for the satellite fees. So everybody had that little black box, black box. You could poach everything, all the pay-per-view, all the porn you could possibly stomach and, uh, wh- whatever you wanted, right? Uh, premier movies and everything. Uh, but but they, they found a way to, uh, you know, decode the, uh, or whatever, uh, you know, deactivate the uh, code for the cards. And every time I got a new card, which was like 40 bucks a pop, uh, it only lasted like a day or two.
1: Yeah, that's the thing.
0: And I ended up paying more for the pirated version than I would have if I had just bought the bought service the to one, begin yeah, with. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: But there was something about stealing it, right? <laughs> yes, what I is it? I
2: don't
0: know. I'm thinking, wait a minute, I'm paying like 400 a month for this shit. And, I'm, you know, I'm getting it in very spotty, uh, you know, spurts here. Hit and miss here and there, right? Middle of a fight, boom, goes off. It's like, what? wow, Mayweather was on the ground? Was that Mayweather? Next thing you know, you're getting like, uh, you know, bars and tone <laughs> coming your way. That was always, uh, you know, uh, an interesting uh, situation. When that would occur while you were doing live TV, it's like, well, what, we're showing bars and tone? That isn't good. <laughs> but the race is about to begin. All right, we're coming back with more. Uh, Jason Cole going to join us later on. Where are you at with this NFL? We'll get into that uh, a little bit. I I don't know. I mean, have we developed any kind of a sense for it? Is it premature to to get excited about this, Luby? Do we just wait a month?
1: I mean, it's whatever. I I get uh, sort of excited until I watch this caliber of football, and then I'm like, okay, we're not there yet. (laughs) <laughs> I, I wouldn't
0: know i mean people go out to practices uh, what, what would you be seeing at this point that's why it's amazing that guys are still getting hurt because i i don't know that they do much
1: they don't they right? don't do that much at all
0: and you, and you would think like a jalen ramsey's training year-round so it couldn't be that uh, geez all of a sudden he was putting all this pressure on his knee i don't know fluke injury right like edwin Diaz with the mets all right, the trade deadline in baseball too uh, happening, and you're saying the Marlins are still active, huh?
1: Yeah, tomorrow.
0: Can they do it? Can gotten... They can. Can they find uh, you know some kind of uh, extra power they can infuse into their lineup, and you know maybe make something happen here?
1: They've gotten a couple of relievers. They're now trying to get a starter and a bat. That's what they, that's their goal. Uh, and the reports I'm hearing are they are in the mix for. Looking for a bat. And this
0: is all for Stars. prospects, right? Because uh, they don't want to mess with their. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who do they have that somebody would trade for I besides uh, Arise?
1: They have five or six guys. John Bernie? Would somebody trade for John Bernie yeah. and
0: Mr. 300?
1: I don't know about Curdy. No. But they're looking to get the, one, uh, the second baseman and move Arise over to first. I'm trying to remember the name. I saw it yesterday. Um, and they're looking uh, at the pitcher, Jack Flaherty, with the Cardinals, who's actually been right. a pretty good starter.
0: This guy Hicks, who I will permanently despise uh, from the Cardinals, got traded to the Blue Jays. Uh, Hicks, the uh, reliever. And uh, that, that's the guy that cost me that uh, three-team parlay that day you know, when he gave up. Can, can you believe this? I mean, gave up. Throws the ball in the right field.
2: I, I mean, I, I was I, I'm happy. still
0: horrified by that. My whole <laughs> baseball uh, viewing this season has been ruined by this guy Hicks, who I know, I mean, I have to root against the Blue Jays now at this point. Alright, uh, coming back with more in a moment. Now that There is no allegiance anymore in America, right? You just root for the team that you have money on. It's 802. Hey, folks, Tony Segreto here. Let me ask you a question. What do you look for when you go out to eat? Good food, obviously. Friendly atmosphere, not too loud, but good energy, reasonable prices, and a place where you feel comfortable. All those ingredients, (laughs) no pun meant there Trust me when I tell you, Texas Roadhouse, your restaurant, your destination, when you say, where should we go and eat tonight? From the newly renovated sports bar to the beautiful bayside views captured at the Tiki Bar, Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill has it all. Located at Mile Marker 104, the Big Chill also offers waterfront dining while experiencing breathtaking sunset views of the Florida Keys. It's simply the hottest spot in the Keys to cool off. That's Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill at Mile Marker 104 in Key Largo. For more information, call today at 305-453-9066. Of course, uh, I got in about 2 in the morning last night. Do I look like, Luby? Good morning, by the way. You look uh, do good. I like need a
1: cut, man. You look good. I'm proud of you. You're, like, ready. You're on time. All the guys there didn't have to stress out waiting for you. I, look at you. A new day.
0: I'm a professional. Uh, there's no question <laughs> about it. And I don't like to lose a job on the first day of the job.
1: <laughs> That's That would be which good.
0: Which is ugly. <laughs> we already lost one job, and uh, we got fired by Fox. And in fact, you and I, Luby, are the only starters that were ever beaten out for a job by Brady Quinn. <laughs> if you can just kind of uh, wrap your arms around that concept.
1: Grab a bagel and a schmear, plus some Defoe and Luby. Welcome back to the Defoe Show.
0: That now comes under the heading of uh, 0.0, Mr. Blutarski. Not that ratings were a whopper when we were at 940 WINZ for those many years, because, uh, you know, the truth is you could be, I mean, you could be the best act on, on a poor station, and, and it's hard to pull that station up if they're not in, you know, the, I guess it would be, if they're habitually getting bad ratings, they, they will just continue to do so no matter what you do. Yeah, there's not so much fun. Uh, that, that, there's only so much one guy you, you could be the worst guy in a good lineup
1: and yeah, you get good ratings
0: and prosper that that's that's been true over the years but uh, they've managed to get to the point now with Brady Quinn and company that brilliant maneuver of going all national uh they they've managed to get to the point where they are uh, in turn the transmitter off type of uh you know type of mode which uh, is ugly. So, so maybe we're on the cutting edge of something new here, which is good. It's good to transition out of that, and we have, and we're happy, you guys. A lot of action on the chat line today, of interesting stuff. What is it that Sarney's barking about with FSU? Well, what is that story?
1: Uh, this week, it's going to going to be announced that they, along with Clemson, are moving to the Big Ten.
0: And you feel uh, how significant is that?
1: I mean, it's a big fucking deal. The ACC's. His poor broke their, their their latest deal. No one fought over it. And they got a deal with the CW. No one even knows ESPN and Fox are fighting over the, FSU, it. the Big Ten. Yeah, literally. Like,
0: Did they have to buy their own time?
1: They, they they didn't have to buy their time, but they're not making any money. It's It's a joke. Wow. And FSU literally nationally is like top 15 in financials. So it's not like they aren't a big national brand. They're the biggest moneymaker in the ACC by a lot. Like Clemson, people you have this idea that Clemson's is big deal, they're not. Clemson's new and they don't make that much money. FSU does. FSU does for the ACC make a ton of money. They're a national brand still. They're still top 15 when it comes to ratings, viewership, and financials. And they're in this bullshit-ass do, do conference. Do people
0: still think Bobby Bowden is alive? Is that why they're so popular?
1: No, I mean, they want No, I know to... they
0: came on uh, this last year uh, with the, uh, the coach that you, Norvell, uh, that you no, think, uh, you know, should have been fired after week one.
1: I never wanted him fired. I just didn't want him hired. Once he yeah. was hired, it is what it is. But um... – they Look, they won a lot. They won for 40 straight years, and then they were bad for a little bit at Bobby's end, but Jimbo came back and won again, and then they were bad for about four or five years, and they're already winning 10 games again. So. The thing
0: is, uh, they fit the bill for one of our key ki- criteria for any team, and that was they were always exciting.
1: They were fun. Yes. even uh, yes. And, and
0: the fun. company kind of embraced that, even though you would have to say, I mean, think about it, Tallahatchie. Uh, to I mean, a lot, a lot of big time college programs seem to come from uh, somewhat yeah, yeah, obscure yeah. places. But Tallahoochee is nothing that you would be thinking about, right?
1: I mean, it's 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 not any worse than Oxford or Gainesville or most of the the Big Ten, Columbus, big I don't know, it was Columbus, uh, kind look, of a Ann dump, Ann Arbor, like oh, they're all look, uh, Pennsylvania, Ann Arbor, Penn nothing, yeah, where Penn State is, that's not like uh, prime time. It's not Philly State
0: College, PA. Yeah. Are you kidding they're me? Who would ever go there towns. for any other reason?
1: that are outside of USC and UM. It's usually small towns. I mean, I guess Austin is becoming an up-and-coming city, but most of UT's greatness was when Austin was a fucking small town. Like, So anyways, there's not money in the ACC. FSU's been pretty clear about that. The ACC keeps talking about bridging the gap, bridging the gap, but making no moves. And again, this latest TV deal showed there's no interest in the ACC. Wow. So FSU, Clemson, By all accounts, it took a huge move where it's supposed to happen this week. Like, literally tomorrow, it's supposed to be announced. And and
0: when would they start playing the Big Ten? It would probably be... Which would now be what? The Big 14? Well,
1: remember, they're already adding USC and UCLA. So they were already going to have 14. Big 16. It's going to be... They're looking for 16. The goal is for them to have 16. The SEC right now is happy because they're adding Texas and Oklahoma next year. So they'll have their 14. They're not trying to go for 16 yet. But if Big Ten is able to get this FSU, who's supposed to be a playoff contender, this Clemson, who's supposed to be a playoff contender, have Michigan, Ohio State, who both were in the playoffs last year, have Penn State, who's going to start the season top 10. That right there, is the Wisconsin team that FSU, that Ken likes as a dark horse, that's possible six teams that could be vying for the playoffs. The SEC doesn't have that. SEC has Georgia, Georgia Alabama, and Alabama, And, LSU, and, LSU, and maybe LSU, a couple LSU, of others eventually. fsu's LSU's there. Georgia, yeah. Alabama, and Tennessee, I guess. So that's four. So as SEC is considered the best conference, if F- as the Big Ten can get FSU and Clemson, the SEC is not the best conference on its own anymore. The Big Ten is, right. are raised right there. So you would then think the SEC will have to finally go to 16, and that, to me, would mean two power conferences as well. All right, it, it so, so
0: where does UM end up?
1: I think eventually UM can find that, themselves They always the seem Big to 10. be
0: dragging a little bit behind when it comes to these kind of moves.
1: I, I think UM could also find themselves in the Big Ten – Okay. Um, because they do care about academics, and the ACC doesn't give a shit about academics. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Well, it's going to leave a lot of a lot of programs that are actually pretty successful in the cold. So that's and, and the, the
0: ACC what dissipates altogether? there will be like the big, a completely minor conference. It'll be a
1: basketball conference. The ACC will be a bad okay. basketball conference. Uh, right. The Big Twelve is trying to 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 grab all the O's. O-O- Also, RANs like Colorado's going there now, Arizona's supposed to go there. Programs that have had success in football that are willing to spend it. Wasn't
0: San Diego State and they just declined to move uh, to the Big 12? I
1: I think they're going to be going for bigger fish than San Diego State. Okay, my thing is like, what do you do with the Louisville's, the North Carolinas, the Dukes that have actually had flashes but aren't of the same stature? I think if enough of those go to the Big 12, then the Big 12 can be like sort of a third fledgling conference that. Can because remember they're supposed they're supposed to go to twelve playoff spots so like the SEC and the Big Twelve Big Ten don't need twelve playoff spots they would probably get six to eight between those two conferences and then you still have room for another conference somewhere
0: who who's pocketing all of this money
1: the uh oh the schools the various uh, you know. Uh, the know, principals the at these schools, yeah, you know, the put the money in their pocket. Yeah, no. yeah, I mean, it doesn't go down to the kids. It's it's the no. schools, like the schools. But there's so much money in the the Big Ten and the uh, the SEC. It's like each school is getting like thirty to forty million, and wow. like the ACC, you get like twelve. You get like ten. Like it's literally you, you get like thirty percent of what the other schools are getting.
0: It's kind of like the MLS compared to one of these big European leagues.
1: A hundred percent. But they're all in the same league, where at least the MLS and the Euro, EPL, and the Bundesliga don't play together. Like, the ACC is supposed to be playing with the SEC in the Big Ten. And the disparity is such a – it's just a joke. Like, you can't – you just can't hang with them.
0: All right. So, uh, Florida State's gone, and Clemson's going to be gone. Supposedly. From that, the ACC. That's supposed uh, ACC.
1: to be announced tomorrow. So, we'll see. Okay. Well, you never all know. Right. Like, there's been a lot of these – In the fire, calls in the fire when it comes to FSU and Clemson, when it came to the SEC. I I
0: can't follow it anymore. I mean, it it used to be a disgrace if you were a sportscaster and somebody would call and uh, you would misidentify what conference they played in about a college football team or, uh, you know, a player or whatever. And, and, you know, you felt like it was part of your job. You had to know who was where and what affiliations. And and, and you probably should have known that. But now, I mean, uh, the way teams have jumped around, I I have no idea who's in what. What conference at this stage, uh, you're thinking that, uh, you know, these conferences like the ACC, which were never, I mean, as a football conference, it, it never stacked up there with the big 10. Uh, maybe even what were they behind a the big 12 as a football conference? I would say yes to that. And certainly the, uh, SEC, I, I was a pac 10 guy pac eight yeah, well, when fun. I was uh, covering sports in California. I, I liked those teams. And, and, you know, to think of USC as a Big Ten team is is just – it's inconceivable, isn't it? I mean, they they were the essence there. You would have Dick Edberg calling out the Pac-10 game in a week. Well, it was Pac-8 game in a week back then. But uh, then they, what, added in the Arizona schools? Yes. Is that how they became the Pac-10? I think so. Yes. Yeah. Oregon, Oregon State were always patsies. It was yep. great. Yep. USC would go in there and romp. Washington, Washington, staying a little bit of a problem, especially yeah. on the road there because it rains all the fucking time. Yeah, eh. yep, yep. You think this ain't the Coliseum, my friends? <laughs> Holy John Robinson, <laughs> we're going down. All right, so so uh, that that's all happening. The college football gets underway uh, pretty soon. Uh, we're talking about what August twenty sixth.
1: Fall camp have a opening stack of week. games. Fall camp's opening this week. We're winter. Yeah, it's fucking. Fall camp's opening this Notre week. Dame
0: favored by 19 and a hook over Navy.
1: Well, that first weekend should be really That fun.
0: game's going to be played in Dublin, Ireland, my friend. You think the Irish will be favored there by the fans? Well, oh, probably. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Do they have the same pasty guys that line up at the British Open? <laughs> Is it the same group? Is it a small group of fans that go to everything there? And they all look the same. Once again, they all look like they came out of the first chapter of a Dickens novel. You saw a little more of that in that senior open. Uh, than you did in the uh, regular British Open, although the uh, final round was contested there in uh, j- just very rank weather—weather weather that you would normally think that you would just shut down the game of golf—and and yet in Europe, it's like it's <laughs> is this pretty nice, Hammy <laughs> <laughs> Then I go, oh, what a good day. <laughs> We're fucking soaked out here. <laughs> they don't care, man. I mean, they—they they really don't give a flying one about uh, any of that. All right, what did you make of this? We—we we, we kind of—I uh, guess I was going to touch on this uh, with. With Brett Tesser, but we never got to it, and, and that's this whole Sean Payton thing with uh, Nathaniel Hackett, Nate Hackett, who was coaching the Denver Broncos last year. You you will never see this. I mean, it really is. It's it's like these Republican candidates that are running for president, where you uh, you know it, they say, "Hey, well, we've got this guy criminally uh, implicating himself on tape." And uh, you still think this is a witch hunt by the Department of Justice. And you want to mention Hillary's emails, by the way, yeah, while yeah. we're doing this interview? <laughs> yeah, why don't we Hunter go back Biden. into the past for an incident that was uh, resolved and had nothing to do with what's yep. actually going on here, yep. where a guy is showing, uh, like, our, our plans to bomb Iran to uh, some guy at the golf club there who happened to be serving him a kanish.
1: Well, like, they, what? That, that my problem is, Hunter Biden, they bring up just one act, whatever it was, it was criminal, put him away, do whatever you want. But there's never been a tie into Joe Biden at all, um, and it's just his, the one thing he did that was really bad. And Hillary's the same thing was emails that were found to not be bad, yeah. after many investigations that actually allowed her to lose the election because the FBI fucked up and released the information two weeks before the election, and then a week later uh, said, "Oh, well, they were wrong, but it was too late. The cow's out of the bag." And whoever those people that were in the middle went Trump, and she lost, even though she still won the popular vote handily. Yes. They investigated it fully. Nothing was ever found. and They haven't found anything else on her. So, like, they keep bringing up those two things from those two people. With Trump, that's why it's not a witch hunt, people. They keep bringing up new shit. <laughs> like, it's always No, but, I, I mean, the guy
0: is si- sitting there just uh, criminally, uh, you know, uh, uh, g- uh, implicating himself and uh, essentially convicting himself with these tapes. I mean, and- uh, what, what are we listening to then?
1: Exactly. Well, were
0: we listening to a guy that was sitting there going, uh, you know, I- I'm just doing this for the good of the people here? Never. Right? You were listening to a guy who was uh, so devastated that he uh, lost his position of power after conning the public into putting him there in the first place. And, uh, you know, he, he he couldn't deal with it. He was doing everything, you know, that he possibly could to to try literally. And, uh, you know, he's still walking around talking about, oh, well, he stole the election. Like, there's no evidence of that. Zero. None.
1: <laughs> but there's lots of evidence. Of Your own guys crimes. have jumped
0: off that ship. Right.
1: There's lots of evidence of him breaking the law, lots of yeah. evidence of him committing crimes, but there's no way. Are treating witch the choice.
0: position like shit. Exactly. Th- that's the only way you could look at it, right? I mean, there, there's nothing in there that, that makes you think, oh, my God, of all the people in the uh, world and uh, the United States of America,
1: this is the one guy that we really need. No, it like a mob boss.
0: Desperately. Like yeah. He
1: sat in that position doing what he had to do to succeed himself. And his family. He didn't do anything for America. He didn't try. Nothing. He wasn't even trying to do the job. He was just trying to make money for himself. It's like I don't even know if
0: he three. understood the the job.
1: No, he said. T- to this day, he does Him and McCarthy don't understand their roles at all. Like McCarthy no. says shit, and I'm like, dude, you know you and the scientists too. The three of them, they say something, I'm like, I don't think you understand your role. Like you're not a dictator. None of you yeah. are. None. None of you are actual dictators. There are che- as much as your party wants to ignore it. There are checks and balances for a fucking reason. Thank God. And it's for both parties, so no one just goes and takes over. Like, they say these things, well, we're going to, no, you're not going to do a goddamn thing. You're not going to do anything. This isn't yeah. fucking Russia.
0: Well, and, and this whole, uh, you know, forget about everything that went on here, including people crawling on the walls of the Capitol building while cops are dying. Uh, you know, it's just hard to uh, look at that and say, well, you know what? What about
1: Hillary? <laughs> like, come on. <laughs>
0: She's gone. She's out of the picture already. Gone. Come OOP, on. as they say in dog racing. Anyway, you never see this, right, where a coach comes out and, and oh, I watching mean, a blue moon, you know, somebody will take a shot at Nick. Uh, but then they retract their statements uh, immediately because they realize Nick will have them, uh, you know, that they won't be in coaching anymore if Nick decides it. You know, he he wants to uh, have them ousted completely, right? Nick will find a way to get rid of him. Uh, Sean Payton on Nathaniel Hackett says that this is the worst coaching job that was ever done by anybody in the history of the National Football League. Now, now I mean, do we have to preface anything that comes from Sean Payton by saying, wait a minute, you know? and you know me, I, I am not a fan of the cheap shot. Never have been, never will be. I mean, it's a game for God's sake. I know there's money at stake, and it's a big business at the professional level. But when you're playing in a park and you deliberately low bridge some guys, he's going in for a layup. But when there's no chance you're going to be able to make a clean defensive play and you do this and a guy ends up like hitting his head on cement or whatever. And you're thinking, oh, geez, you know, why the hell cheap shots? Never, never have been you know, something that I was a fan of. So here's a guy that was in the National Football League and essentially, I mean, he was suspended for a year. Uh, did they ever you know pinpoint what his involvement was in uh, bounty gate where he, he's uh, you know adding incentives to players and condoning this uh to go out and deliberately
1: uh, injure other players in, in a cheap shot fashion he didn't necessarily do it but he he didn't stop it and it happened in his locker room so most people felt he was well aware of it
0: now he gets back into coaching. Uh you know, he continued to coach after that. Yeah, they won. They, uh they had did. success. Uh well, was always deemed to be a successful coach. Yep. Some people the detractors of Sean Payton, who, who I wanna like. I, I I like the fact that he went for that onside kick in a Super Bowl, opened up the second half, wasn't at the play.
1: Yeah, yeah, saved their ass. It was like and, a and, 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 and
0: turned the game around. Yes. And, and you're thinking, wow, a degenerate gambler. <laughs> <the>, yeah, <you laughs> <know>, I mean <laughs> Talk about James Conn and the gambler. Let me just go into a neighborhood where I know I'm going to get shot or stabbed, and see if I can't come out of there after insulting people deliberately. <laughs> you know, just uh, you know, whatever I can do to to make this as challenging uh, a situation as I can make it. Uh, that that took balls, right? Didn't it? The Sean Payton thing. I mean, that made me think. I I, I want this guy coaching my team. Plus. I, I don't know what level of responsibility he had for the success of Drew Brees. You would have to say that at some of Drew Brees' success, this was a guy that was, you know, even though he was a second-round pick, it was uh, sort of on the bus side of things, wasn't he? Uh, you know, when he was with San Diego?
1: He was good. He was borderline pro bowler. He just wasn't an all-time, arguably top-ten quarterback ever. He was, like, good. He was a good, solid quarterback. Um, but he wasn't taking the league by storm. I mean, him with Sean Payton took him to a whole nother level.
0: Yeah. And people are sadly mistaken if they think that uh, had he come to the Dolphins, the Dolphins would have prospered. Yeah,
1: we would have found a way to fuck
0: Because him. the Dolphins would have found a way to ruin a- oh, any yeah. uh, chance that he had of succeeding, would they not? That that was the uh, M.O. of the organization at the time. They became a bunch of buffoons. Yes. Which uh, is sad. But, uh, yeah, Drew Brees come in here. I uh, imagine Nick Saban had Drew Brees. He, he could have made something happen with him. Hey, you-, you could give Nick Saban... Is it just that his talent is so overwhelmingly better? Yeah, yeah. It's than everybody that. else, that it doesn't matter who he has a quarterback. I mean, or to, or is he capable of taking quarterbacks that that you think are you know I mean all right? And and, and look look, I mean they all became super successful after being uh, in his so called system. Did I they mean, not?
1: Uh, Tua was a decent recruit. Um, Bryce Young was a five star. Mac Jones was it? Mac Jones. Mac Jones is the one recently. I mean, yeah, he had years ago. AJ McCarron and he had great. Jalen Hurts.
0: I mean, uh, you know, you you could say I don't know what level of responsibility Saban had for his development. Maybe that's all Jalen Hurts that he became a top quarterback in the NFL.
1: Maybe more Lincoln Riley because he was a running quarterback at Bama. He became more of a passing threat when he was at Oklahoma with Riley, but. Alabama's in both. Alabama's had guys that are randoms and they've won. And Alabama's had big time stars more recently and they've won. Um, God, the pros are a little different. And Saban was old school when he coached the Dolphins. Like Saban, I don't know what the hell he would have done with Breeze, but I don't think he would have done what Sean Payton did with Breeze. That's for sure.
0: Uh, who knows? I mean, I, you would have to think that there's probably, you know, some kind of, uh, you know, a reciprocal benefit. That, that Breeze had uh, being under Sean Payton and, and Payton had uh, by having Breeze in, the, yes. in his arsenal of uh, offensive weaponry there. Uh, but I mean, you never see this where a guy comes out and says, uh, you know, this other coach absolutely sucked. Now, now he's come back and, and kind of, you know, glossed over the whole idea and said, uh, you know, I shouldn't be saying this. And now almost in Trumpian type fashion, they're trying to push this truth forward that, well, see, I'm using this as an example to my players to show them that, uh, you know, you have to be careful what you say to the press. <laughs> it, he's not claiming it was misinterpreted. I mean, he, at least he didn't deny that he said this stuff, but uh, I, what was your feeling about all that? I mean, it, it's kind of a shocker and they do play the jets. I think in uh, week, number five, the uh, Denver Broncos oh, during so the uh, regular season.
1: Is that okay? Cause Rogers came out and said, don't attack my coach is Hackett's with the jets. Now is that what it is? Hackett's on the, he's jets the offensive
0: stuff. coordinator of the jets now. Okay. So yes.
1: it's okay. Well, and, and Rogers, you know, and uh,
0: Peyton, you know, put a little more dirt on the thing or a little more gasoline on the fire. By uh, implying that, uh, you know, you don't win a championship in the off season, which the Jets yeah, yeah, that's right. are, are, you know, kind of beating their chest saying, well, you know, we got Aaron Rodgers now and, and it's all going to be great.
1: That's like the Broncos last year when they got Russell Wilson and people like me. Thought, and,
0: and, and there was reason to believe that they would be great with, yes. with Russell Wilson. And, no, nobody could have foreseen. Well, I mean, people might have. But we had uh, who was the writer that we had on the prominent writer that uh, lives in the. Uh, in the uh, outside, oh, you know, in the boondocks in Washington. Frank
1: Schwab. You mean Frank Schwab in, who's in Denver or?
0: No, no, no. We had uh, like a, an actual author on that. Uh, oh, uh, of Oh, yeah. yeah the, the, uh, wow. Well, a a Prize very significant author. guy. What was that? Pri-
1: the Pulitzer Prize winning author. I can't remember his freaking name. Buzz, uh, Buzz, Buzz Bissinger. Bissinger. Buzz Bissinger. Yeah. Good job by you.
0: He he said, you know, flat out and, and very authoritatively that uh, he he knew that Russell Wilson was going to absolutely blow a gasket when he got to the Broncos. That uh, you know he hadn't been exposed yet as being a, an extremely weak quarterback. Uh, Peyton thinks he can resurrect him. Uh, you know, what, what, what do you make of that though? That, that's 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 something that never happens where, where a coach comes out and says, you know, no matter what he thinks, that that some other coach absolutely blows. And it wasn't like he had had any confrontation with this guy, had he? I mean, what 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 would be the reason for it, except to say that, uh, well, geez, you know what? What I inherited here in Denver was so bad.
1: Yeah, I mean,
0: that it can only go up from here.
1: I I sort of appreciate and respect the thing coaches do, where they keep it in the family and they, you know, always talk highly of other coaches. And when a guy's about to get fired, they always feel for them and this and that. But I'm not gonna lie. Hackett should go down as one of the worst coaches in NFL. Like he didn't. Make, uh, he was horrendous. Did he whatever. make it the whole season? He made it like halfway, yeah. right? Like, didn't they fire him in season? Like,
0: uh, he he was making bozoic decisions on the field. He was just bad. He was just I doing mean, just stuff really stupid that stuff. Was bad.
1: Russell Wilson, whatever you thought, Bissinger or whatever. No one thought Wilson would look like he was done. Like, the dude was a, a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback the year before. Like, to go from yeah. that to being done, and his health wasn't the issue. He could move. He wasn't getting hurt. He was just flat out horrendous. Like.
0: So, and the team uh, that would do like things, they, they would go for fourth downs. That for no reason. Y- y- you're asking yourself, well, what, what is it? What is it? I mean, how could you jeopardize your team's chances of winning by going for like a fourth and five at your own 16? Just
1: bad. It, it, his decision Crazy. making was bad as the point where he would admit, yeah. It's not like, oh, I was bad today. And I got, not the coach, but he would be openly saying, yeah, I was horrendous. And we all were like, yeah, you were. But,
0: yeah. <laughs> like,
1: if a guy's that bad and then Peyton gets in there. And he he they,
0: made Joe Philbin look like Vince Lombardi.
1: Look, it's like what Urban did. And, and I don't know if.
0: Here we are trashing the shit out of the guy. No, oh, but it's the truth. It's like <laughs> we're I, criticizing Sean Payton for. I'm not.
1: Something. You can. I'm not criticizing Trump man, no. because
0: I, 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 you know, I mean, do you like it? I guess you do. Right? It's not that I you like it or know, it the don't guy like it, came it, I came out just, and said it.
1: If a coach is that bad, and then you come in there and you're like, "What the fuck did this?" Like that's what the Jags were. Look at what the Jags are talent wise. The Jags had plenty of talent. Yeah. Urban sucked. Urban was in way over. Notice his
0: name is never mentioned anymore or in any kind of a light whatsoever. But, Urban Meyer.
1: But that, when. If, I keep forgetting his last name, but when uh, Doug Peterson took over, yeah. he didn't mention Urban by name, but he did have a lot of quotes that were like, the team has talent. I don't know what the fuck they were doing before, but we're going to win here. We're going to be better. They won literally the first year they got into the playoffs. Yeah. It's yeah. like, I'm sorry. Some coaches just fucking torch the place. If you're the next guy and you're like, the, huh. the,
0: the owner there, Con, uh, yeah, he made his money making like truck parts
1: or something. I think so, yeah. He made some kind yeah. of a thing for either stabilizer, something that had to do with uh, that. The the
0: fascination, unfortunate, uh, you know, obsession with uh, Urban Meyer becoming your coach turned out to be a rather large mistake. Uh, It's interesting because you you would think of Doug Peterson, not exactly the most electrifying personality. No, but he's a good coach. I mean, we we always liked him because he won that game for Shula there. That was, uh, you know, the uh, record breaker in terms of uh, all-time wins in the National Football League when they took on the Eagles. And then, uh, oddly, had success coaching the Eagles, uh, Doug Peterson. But uh, I, I don't know. I mean, his, his reign there, there's very little tolerance in any other organization except the Pittsburgh Steelers, where they'll keep a guy no matter what, which is good, right? Because Bill Cowher had some down years. And uh, is there any talk about Bill Cowher coming back? Maybe that's finally. No, that's finally
1: yeah. sort of gone away. It's been like 20 years. But, yeah. I don't, look, I, I understand the outcry of, you know, you just don't do that. But
0: <laughs> no, no. I mean, in some ways it's refreshing, right? Cause it was the truth. I
1: like it. I like it. Yeah. He goes in there and goes, what the fuck was going on here? And they catch him off guard or they catch him where he's in an honest moment. They're he like, said
0: he was still in his TV analyst mode from his yeah, one he's year. He's been a TV analyzing analyst. things. And yep. they
1: asked him, I'm sure something about Hackett or something about, what you notice from last year to this year? One of those random questions we always ask generic asked questions just to have a coach answer. And yeah. he would probably honest, like, yeah, it was a fucking disaster. Like, but it was. We all saw it. We saw it on national TV, time and time yeah. again. Yeah, I mean, that the guy got sucked. fired
0: inside of his first season.
1: Yeah, which... he sucked. That's like...
0: bad. <laughs> Holy Coco Cameron! What are we talking?
1: Exactly. about? Exactly. What are you supposed to do? Well, look, when you watch, <laughs> when you watch Urban Meyer. But but
0: when you have fired Joe Philbin inside of that first year, I just said, you know what? Uh, I'm, I I still to this day can't imagine, can't imagine how Stephen Ross sat across the table. Unless I mean Stephen Ross. Is he kind of a cold fish of a personality? He he has more personality than Joe Philbin does. Yes. Although we later found out that Philbin was not devoid of personality, by by any stretch of the imagination. And then when he was on Hard Knocks there with Green Bay, when he became like the quarterback coach at Green Bay, or uh, I think it was coaching offensive line maybe, yes. which is, seems like an no oddity, line, but no uh, line coach. nonetheless, I mean. I, and And you heard Mike Philbin talking like Joe pesci he, he made <laughs> he made our man Mike Westoff look like he was using uh, you know uh, the uh, ultimate in, in British etiquette when he was speaking at those uh, meetings uh, the team was having where he basically cursed out everybody that was in front of him yep. made, made made Rex Ryan look like he was a church mouse in, in that regard.
2: <laughs> All
0: right well uh, we have a lot of this coming up and, and uh, Jason Cole's going to join us here uh, Jason with uh, outkick dot com. Yes. And uh, does a great job, though. Uh, it's uh, been a long time. I mean, how long has Jason Cole been an insider in the NFL and analyzing uh, NFL years? football? I in mean, United... going all the way back i mean, here uh, with the local papers. I believe, uh, you yeah, know, both the Herald and the Sun Sentinel, no Palm Beach Post, right, Jason Cole?
1: Uh, he didn't do Palm Beach, but I think he did the Sun Sentinel. Did he do the Herald. big
0: trifecta down here?
1: I don't think he did the Palm Beach. I don't think he did No,
0: I don't, I don't think so either. Uh, I remember uh, Jason with the Herald, and then uh, what? Well, did he move from the Herald to the Sun Sentinel because everybody moved to Broward? Was that I the deal? I think so.
1: I think so. Well, I mean, you can ask him. Pretty honest.
0: Yeah. I, I think he was with the Herald first, but covering the Dolphins and did a great job. Uh, always tremendous. Uh, so going to join us here in just a few minutes on the program as, uh, wow, Blueby, we're in like preseason mode here. We are. We made it. Made it to the old football season. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, You know, a lot of people optimistic about the Miami Dolphins. I I don't know. You think Jason will be optimistic about the Fins? Uh, I still, I mean, I just see that glaring weakness there, Luby. The right side of that offensive line. I, I don't know. If you don't fix, like if there's a hole in the boat and you don't fix it. It, it doesn't matter what other gear you put on top of it, right? You can have all the great electronics. You're, you're still, you're, you're not going to find a fish. You're going to find a bottom of the ocean. No. Yes,
1: that's my thing. It, it's right tackle and left guard. Because Robert Hunt on, in the right guard is good. It's, and Connor Williams is a center and Taron Armstead. But yeah. the right tackle, the blind side of the quarterback. So the, the left tackle for most teams is their right tackle. Yes. Is a disaster. And their left guard is a disaster. And they didn't address it at all. They're just all going right. with Jackson. The Jewish kid's
0: no good, uh, Eichenberg or whatever.
1: Eichenberg. Suppose the Eichenberg in practice has looked good in the sense that they haven't had to mention his name. You're going to
0: go by that? But yeah.
1: Exactly. I don't know. What do you do with practice? I mean, who gives a <laughs> shit? I'll be Iverson on that. Like, who cares We're talking about, about practice? practice. Yeah, yeah
0: exactly. Yeah, all right. Uh, Jason Cole, right around the corner here on the Defoe Show. Appeal yourself off to mount Monday. Thanks for all the comments on the chat line. It's always good to get it going. Luby loves engaging in that. I, I don't actually uh, have the ability. I'm afraid that if I start typing comments, which uh, – I don't even have a, a way to sign in there, Luby. You're not I mean, on the much,
1: chat. Like the, when you, on I, 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 I see, can't make a comment on there. No, there, there's not a place for you to hit, like type a message. It doesn't say that for you. Like there's nowhere it says. No, type
0: only a on our own little private thing that we have going okay. here. We're saying. Jason, call eight thirty-five. Why don't you shut up, you old fat I bastard? I find that
1: interesting because yeah. uh, Mayo says the same thing. Mayo never j- jumps in either. So.
0: Yeah, because I, I would be responding uh, like a madman to some of these things, although it'd be very distracting. While you were, you know, shlubbering your brains out of here on a Monday morning, <laughs> trying to make something happen on a sports talk show. All right. Uh, back with more in a moment here on the uh, Defo show. Now that. The time. It's uh, 8.32. The ponies in style at Champions, the outstanding simulcasting room at beautiful highly apart. Yes, the grand old lady of thoroughbred racing has never been more vibrant, and you can wager on the races from the top tracks around the country, While enjoying a cocktail at the Brass Rail Bar or any of the fine food served throughout the facility. If poker is your game, you're covered in style. And you can play all your favorite Vegas style games including blackjack, craps and roulette in Hylia Park's sizzling hot casino. Get a player's card when you walk through the door for all kinds of generous amenities including our favorite free play. When you come out to the ultimate casino and entertainment destination, Hylia Park.
1: These days, we're all looking for comfort anywhere we can find it. Thank goodness for Landlubbers Raw Bar & Grill in the plantation because they are making sure you are as comfortable as possible. First of all, they're not only open for delivery and pickup, all you have to do is go to landlubbersbarandgrill.com for both pickup and free delivery. You're going to have the best wings in the world, you're going to have a great burger, you're going to have their amazing soups. Again. Landlubbers Raw Bar & Grill. It's nice and easy. Just go to landlubbersbarandgrill.com for both your pickup and free delivery thank goodness for landlumbers for making you always feel right at home. Are you looking to buy your first home? Have you been turned down for a loan? Do you need to refinance or get money
0: out of your home? Call Michael Codsey, CEO of Choice Mortgage. He's been helping the South Florida community get mortgages for 30 years. Hi, this is Michael Codsey, CEO of Choice Mortgage. We have the most competitive fixed rates in the market. Call me 24-7 561-441-2730. And remember, I don't just work banking hours. Make the right choice for your home, call Choice Mortgage today. Florida, which is in the state of Florida, has been in the Stone Age forever. I mean, uh, we're uh, still uh, operating by blue laws. I don't even know if you can buy a beer before 12 o'clock on a Sunday. <laughs> I'm not sure what religious cult is responsible for the legislation that takes place. But essentially, Florida is structured this way. We're here in South Florida, which is very hip and up with modern times. And once you get, what'd you say, north of Palm Beach, Mike Luby Lubitz, West Palm Beach, Florida, for those unfamiliar with the geography of the state, uh, if you get like 30 miles out of town here, forget about it. It's (laughs) Hillbilly City. You're hearing banjo music and somebody's telling you to squat down like a pig when you pull up to the Waffle House. It's just the way it is.
1: The modern day odd couple, Defoe and Louis, are on now. It is, of course, the Defoe Show.
0: Welcome back to the show, the uh, Defoe Show. Trying to connect here with Jason Cole. And uh, as soon as uh, we make that uh, connection, we will uh, bring Jason Cole to you. Outkick.com is a new platform. I guess he's been there for a while. A couple of years. And uh, as we said, I mean, uh, nobody has uh, taken more advantage of uh, uh, the uh, dot-com era than uh, Jason Cole, who always seems to land in a good spot and uh, take advantage. Uh, he is the Neil O'Donnell of uh, free agency, as we've been saying although uh, probably more competent at what he does. Uh, Neil O'Donnell wasn't horrible, but uh, wasn't in the caliber of a Jason Cole when it comes to being at the very top of his profession, been reporting on the NFL for a long, long time. And I'm wondering, uh, I don't know, I I guess, would he be inclined to go to the uh, Hall of Fame ceremonies, Uh, especially, I would imagine he has a pretty close attachment to uh, one Zach Thomas, And uh, is that Jason that you just set up there? uh, No, I
1: don't have him. He's not answering.
0: Oh, okay. All right. Uh, No problem. Uh, We'll uh, hopefully bring him to you. But, uh, yeah, you would think that maybe with, uh, you know, the relationship that he probably had with Zach, when Zach – you couldn't not love Zach Thomas if you were covering the Miami Dolphins. He was a reporter's dream and, uh, you know, one of the best guys on the team and at the same time, uh, couldn't have been any more gracious or uh, made himself more available. Always had something positive to say. Seemed like he knew you, and uh, what well, was just a good guy to cover. Going into the Hall of Fame, so so that would be what the, the ceremonies for the NFL Hall of Fame would be this upcoming Sunday. Is that how it works?
1: That, yeah, I was going to ask. Is, I guess is, it's at, the game is like the opener of the weekend, maybe, and then like Saturday would have to Sunday. be because
0: who would stick around for the game? Yeah, honestly. You know, I mean, and, and they would have had to have already conducted the ceremonies this past Sunday. But, I mean, can you imagine sticking around uh, uh, Canton, Ohio there for for another four days <laughs> just to see this Hall of Fame game, which, uh, you know, the Saturday, year. Saturday, August
1: they... 5th. They're saying Saturday, August 5th.
0: Oh, Saturday it is. Okay, yeah. The, the ceremony on a Saturday. Yeah. Uh, Chris Berman, what do you think? Chris Berman going to be involved in this thing?
1: I don't know. Does he still do it? Chris
0: Berman, I, I always enjoy watching a very heavily Schwitzing. I mean, Chris Berman <laughs> yeah. ends up looking like yeah. Patrick yeah. Ewing and Moses Malone combined. <laughs> Michael Jordan when he uh, ate Jordan. that bad pizza We'd and he tried to play lot. against Utah. Yeah, Schwitzing. I mean, just through his shirt, everything. It's got to be a 1,000 degrees. I would imagine it's pretty uncomfortable there. But, uh, you know, we applaud the fact that Zach got in. Uh, Mark Clayton, do you think he ever gets into the Hall of Fame? No. Mark Clayton? I, he's a finalist this year, but uh, is it a finalist? Or is this just such a preliminary no. stage yeah, that, uh, you know, there are like 20 or 30 names on there?
1: He's not a finalist. He's in like one no? of the early – he's not where like Zach was the last few years where he was really okay. close. And the, No, no, no. He's, it's like the writer thing, and I think it's early. I Like I don't see – Mac. Look, maybe it was Mayo, I I'm trying to remember who it was, but they were right like it might have been high. Oh, right the
0: there. Prince didn't really care for him, yeah. Well, it's not,
1: it's not only that, but the Mark Mark Duper and Mark Clayton were sort of combined as one.
0: This right? is true true also. Like they were they, good. None of us the same.
1: Together. Like I don't know if anyone considered them separately. I think Clayton was a more all-around receiver and Duper was the nine-route dude, but people took them as the Marks brothers and I and neither was so great. It wasn't like Jonathan Don Taylor and Jerry Rice were Rice was clearly the dude, but John Taylor was also good. Like they seem to go hand in hand, and I, you're not going to put both of them in the Hall of Fame. So I don't think Clayton's going to get in.
0: Clayton wasn't, uh, you know, the same stature as a Jerry Rice by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, He didn't rise
1: above to the point where he would be a Hall of Famer over a Mark Duper.
0: Uh, you know, I, I like guys that can do a variety of different things and aren't just, uh, you know, uh, always coming through with the spectacular play but come through with plays that are really difficult. O.J. McDuffie, McDuffie had McDuffie. that quality. Yeah. Yes. Yes, 100%. Where, you know, you need a guy to go over the middle and catch a ball in traffic between three guys, and this is going to sustain a drive. And You know, you have a lot of guys that wouldn't come near the ball in, in that situation, and then Marino would rifle a dart in there like a howitzer. And it goes through like six hands and finally gets to Clayton and Clayton would snare that ball and make the catch. Duper didn't have that k- kind of, you know, tough catchability like that. I mean maybe he did. I, I don't want to sell him short. But you always thought of Duper as, you know, uh, running some kind of fly pattern or getting open somewhere underneath and then juking a the move and making a long run out of it. But Clayton would do that dirty work, right? It's the old Steely Dan thing, I don't wanna do yep. no more. Uh, why why am I blanking on the name of the Pittsburgh Steeler uh, receiver who made uh, that one spectacular Lynn Swan, catch? Lynn, Lynn Swan. Swan. And That got him into the Hall of Fame.
1: Yeah, well, Super Bowl. His Super Bowl 20, success. He was yeah. good in. The, they played in a ton of Super Bowls, and he was good in the Super Bowls. Lin
0: Swan the is the him. Hillary emails uh, is is to uh, Hall of Fame arguments as the Hillary's emails are to the Republican Party, where every time uh, somebody brings up a receiver that might be uh, worthy of being in the Hall of Fame. Uh, they say, yeah, yeah. Well, if Lynn Swan's in there,
1: yes, they do.
0: He's that guy. <laughs> yes, they do. Lynn Swann was was an excellent receiver, uh, capable of acrobatic circus type catches, no, no question, including the one that, that he was famous for. But uh, I, I don't know. Was he consistently somebody that you said, uh, wow, Hall of Fame stature? Probably. I don't know. That team was probably
1: not. They didn't, remember, they they were still in an old school era with Franco Harris. I think they they had Rocky Block. Like they had like two or three backs. Look, it was like Warfield. Warfield was clearly a Hall of Famer, but when you had Zonka, Kick, Morris, uh, Shula, who liked to run it a lot, it didn't matter how good you were as a receiver. Like, I feel like, look, Bradshaw was a great quarterback who is forgotten in history. Swan and, what was it, Allworth, Stallworth, were great receivers. But again, when you had Franco Harris and you had Rocky Blyer and they had a third dude, so, and you had... No, who's an old school guy. I'm sure they ran it a lot. So, it, it, there's yeah. Really so and, and
0: Harris, uh, you know, was very versatile yeah, yeah. Too, was at catching the ball, too, evidenced by the in. immaculate reception. Yes. So, yeah.
1: like, wh- when you have an old school coach, it doesn't matter how good the receivers are. Like, that's why yeah. I don't mind guys like that getting in. Like, look, Largent led receptions forever. And he's now he's like 50. Like, I don't even know where he's on the list. <laughs> like, because
0: oh, Steve Largent, yeah,
1: yeah, large. Remember he had like, he was a, one. He, he's not role. in the hall
0: of fame. Steve Largent.
1: I think he is but what I'm talking about. Like he held a, a receiving record that was supposedly this great record. Yeah. I don't even know if he's in the top 20, <laughs> you know, like, Oh yeah. Yeah. No, he, so, he,
0: he was excellent. People would forget about him.
1: And that's the thing. And that was, yeah, no, the 80s, that's good. The I mean, you talk about
0: all school. You, you do have an all soul inside of you. Well, uh, when oh, it comes like... to being a sports fan to bring up Steve Largent.
1: Well, because that's the uh, thing is that shows you like he was the only dude on his team. It was a sucky team. So we probably got the ball yeah. a lot. And, and it was before it was when the passing game was sort of opened up in the eighties. And even his stats are bullshit. Now, like he wouldn't even be, he would be some fucking third receiver. If you look at yeah. what his stats were, it's just, so like, I don't blame a guy like Swan, for whatever stats he has,
0: uh, I'm, I'm not upset that anybody, you know. I mean, it, is it really lot. all that fraudulent <laughs> that, that people get into the <laughs> Hall of Fame? I mean, you, you have a couple of guys in baseball that you would say were highly questionable, uh, you know. But but you know, as compared to others, that that would have been excluded, like a Don Manning. But nonetheless, uh, you know, I mean, if Lynn Swan's in the Hall of Fame, that's fine with me. Yeah, I, you yeah, know, yeah. Greasy would be one of the guys that I would argue about. That's what's Bob funny,
1: Greasy, knowing questions if you look at his stats. Even for yes. the era. <laughs> now, now, he was
0: a significant quarterback of his time. There, yes. there's, there's no doubt. But yes. what the fuck did he really do?
1: Like, I Bob think-
0: Greasy, the cerebral quarterback. I, I, and this is not personal because uh, no, I'm okay with Bob Greasy. I don't care that he thinks I'm a weirdo. <laughs> I, I don't know that he has uh, you know, much of a different opinion about most people that, that were in the media. Yeah, probably loves Tony Segreto. Hank was, was a big buddy. Hank. Hank Goldberg, uh, you know, Greasy, they used to hang out. I would find it difficult. I, I don't know. Maybe he's different, uh, you know, in, in a you know a, a private social situation.
1: Social setting, yes.
0: But it wasn't like he was effervescent, you know, when you ran into him at like a dolphin function where, you know, you're going, wow, look at Greasy, man. He's really cutting it up over there with those chicks. That that wasn't happening. So, uh, yeah, it was, uh, you know, one of those things. I, I'll never forget. He's standing there staring at. Paulie man, me and Dave Gurgles, Gurgle at Shula's They're getting ready to do uh, the uh, golf tournament. Uh, uh, the Larry little golf tournament that Hialeah is always behind. We're doing a show out there and uh, Greasy's just staring with like a, a look on his face. And then uh, I'm thinking, okay, good. Uh, you know, maybe he'll sit down and uh, do a little, you know, conversation with us. That would be big for the show. Get Bob Greasy on. And he just looks at me. And when I finally took the headset off, cause I was in a break. Being in broadcasting, I guess he he was at least aware not to just shout this out while we were on the show. Yeah, exactly. And uh, he said, what are you doing here? <laughs> hey, Bob, how are you, man? Hey, good to see you, man. All those things that we did, all those functions I emceed. You know, obviously uh, they, they had been forgot. But uh, no, he, he was always okay with me, uh, Greasy, I guess, but uh, you know, a strange cat. Uh, all the fame material, though? What What did he do? I mean...
1: He was the quarterback of a team that won a lot, so that's yeah. it's what it is. I mean,
0: but people would argue, my man Joe Willie, which I'm very passionate about. That Joe Willie uh, uh, is instrumental in, in so many things that happened for football that, that are, became. I mean, they, they, w- would the game be the same? I mean, if they had continued, uh, how long could Who they knows? have continued a battle? I mean, the way the Live Tour got gobbled up by the PGA, or, or vice versa, I guess it was. Right, the PGA, which appeared to have all the strength, all of the leverage, they had all of the players. A lot of players stuck with them, more so than defected. Yeah, yeah. You you would think that they had the Live Tour by the balls. Yes. No, Live Tour on a you know a threshold and, and and the edge of distinction. Greg Norman is despised universally by virtually everybody, and every golfer that went to the Live Tour is all of a sudden falling apart at the seams, even though they're filthy fucking rich. Yes. But which they would have been anyway. Right? I mean, uh, that, that comes back to the age-old question. Uh, how much money do you need, Louis? Exactly. If you're already making $50 million a year, do you need the Saudis' $100 million? Apparently, your man Mbappé is there. new respect for uh, Messi and Mbappé. Oh, Saudis? said
1: no, too? Okay, because they were offering him like a billion a year.
0: I, I, I believe he told them to stick it with the sun <laughs> don't shine, <man. laughs> which certainly isn't in the desert. <laughs> hey, babe. Like uh, unbelievable.
1: Well, because that's the thing; these guys are going to make so much money—hundreds of millions. How much do you need, day. right? Like, what the fuck's the difference? Like, as long as you do see that money—two hundred million a year. See, <laughs> you know, one hundred fifty million—it seems pretty good. <laughs> like,
0: I, I understand all that. I mean, look, one hundred fifty so, million would, would certainly make me feel a lot more comfortable than my present situation. But that's what I'm saying.
1: Like, he's going to make that in Europe. So, like, why would yeah. he have to go? So he's not making a billion, okay? Like, what the fuck is a like? Like, uh, you know who, who would understand? Life?
0: Rich people tend to want to get richer.
1: Yes, and I and I get it. You know, you you, you see the darkness, and who knows what's going to happen. This and that. Come on, I mean, you are making hundreds of millions. You are fine.
0: <laughs> I, I, I don't think anybody that that's had uh, even a modicum of success on the PGA tour is starving. Would you think?
2: No, no, They're or all- ever
0: really needs to concern themselves. Uh, you, you don't see uh, a lot of PGA golfers going bust uh, like a Mike Tyson. No, Who has no. bounced back nicely? You would have to say, because uh, suppose he's making like sixty grand a day uh, selling weed or whatever. Oh, that's funny. Mike Tyson, yeah, big uh, in a weed market. But, but without Joe Willie, I don't know. There's, if the AFL uh, continues to battle the NFL, how, how much longer could
1: they have lasted? That's the thing. Is Joe Na- Namath gets a lot of credit for that, and he didn't make the guarantee. And, and, and you won. know, he,
0: he wasn't a quarterback that was uh, dumping off, you know, a little. I mean, he had his share of, you know, dump passes in that Super Bowl to Matt Snell and Emerson Boozer. But, I mean, he was firing a rock in, in you know, just swirling, I mean, hideous, windy, typhoon-like conditions that that existed at Chase Stadium.
1: I mean, at the time, it was it was a ridiculous upset. That Colts team was fucking loaded. Now the Jets team actually had a lot of talent too, as you well know. But at the time, the Colts team was a freaking machine. I mean, United was. They, they were
0: seventeen and a half point favorites in a Super Bowl game.
1: So it was a huge thing to say it, mean it, and then do it. And I get it. And it was a linchpin to the eventual merger. But it feels like if you were getting talent like Namath, you're getting talent like Maynard, you're getting talent like that in the AFL at some point. I mean, the Chiefs had a lot of time. Like at some point, it was going to merge. Like he gets credit for it, and he deserves the credit. And with that, he uh, on me his, a Hall his of play fashion.
0: alone, though, I I still think he merited being a Hall you of Fame. He, he made it exciting.
1: Yeah. I, People who watched uh, people him,
0: point to his 50% uh, completion yes. percentage and say that's hardly Hall of Fame stature. But uh, a guy today is going to look like, uh, you know, he, he's uh, light years ahead of name at the net category because uh, of all of this dink passing that goes on.
1: Yes, people who watched him have a different, because again, remember, as you And, know, and you
0: didn't have Fred the Hammer Williamson hanging all over your uh, receivers. He,
1: he had.
0: George Atkinson and some of these other guys uh, that were, uh, you know, j- just absolutely uh, animals.
1: He had horrendous knees, which ha- hampered him. Uh, for the majority of his career. Um, it, it was a different era, which, again, all the quarterbacks had, very outside of a Bradshaw on the Unitas, had very different stats than most of than it, His stats
0: uh, don't compare overwhelmingly favorably with, with other quarterbacks, although I, I don't know if he exceeded. I would imagine his stats, uh, you know, are... Completion percentage is probably uh, the one that people always point to. But the, again, and no, interceptions. He threw a lot of picks. But that's the thing i are looking at
1: now. Now, you, if, if you have less than 60%, you suck. And even 60%, uh, you want to be in the NFL. Yeah. 62 to 68. 50 used to 70. be somewhat
0: of a measuring that's stick. That's the I, thing.
1: Like, they're talking about at a different time when you didn't throw it a lot, when you were allowed to tackle receivers, when coaches didn't have the playbooks they have now, when the talent was very different. Like, it was just a very different game. So that's why he's in the Hall of Fame. And I, I, I hate the revisionist history bullshit when people do that because I, I think it's dumb. Like, he's Well, an engineer, his- uh, you know,
0: at the time, the biggest upset yeah. in, in, in NFL history. Was you, uh, there, there was also, you know, uh, you named off all of these great players and people that followed the AFL. Uh, we're aware that, yeah, wow, there's a lot of talent there. I mean, uh, Maynard and Sauer were a talented pair of receivers, Boozer and Snell, excellent running backs. Uh, They had guys on the offensive line and, uh, you know, players on defense that were of legendary status also. But, uh, you know, the perception was that the NFL was uh, much like we're talking about Messi and the MLS. I mean, uh, you know, is it Hall of Fame worthy to dominate a mediocre lot? And there was this perception that the talent in the AFL, because they had gotten slaughtered in the first couple of Super Bowls by Green Bay, um, was not anywhere close overall to what it was in the vaunted National Football League. So that all changed in a hurry, I mean, in a heartbeat, and and that was engineered by Namath. I mean, I would think that 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 would count for something in terms of uh, overcoming statistical inferiorities. in people's opinion, uh, as a Hall of Fame player.
1: Look, there's guys that are in all the Hall of Fames that had these ridiculous playoff careers, and that got them there. I mean, it's just... Look, Bill, that's why as much as Ken can't stand Bill Russell, uh, the winning does matter. When you're the guy, as much as they had all these Hall of Famers, and they... (laughs) they Have you been
0: watching this Wilt thing on uh, Showtime, by the way, Goliath? No, kind no, of interesting. No. I mean, it's a weird presentation in that uh, they have a lot of Wilt's uh, conversation. Now you would think that there were, you know, a zillion interviews of Wilt Chamberlain over the years. No, you that would they should have. Uh, he died young, but, but
1: still, he lived into what the eighties, right? Like he didn't die in the sixties.
0: I believe he checked out in nineteen ninety
1: nine. Okay, yeah, he lived into the nineties. No. I mean, he was living to the modern era then.
0: Yeah, Wilter Stilt. Uh I want to say yeah, I I remember like last night's episode. I don't know if I guess it was the last one of a series, but uh you know, he, he I I want to say they showed 1999 and that's yeah, when so. he was discovered. Body was discovered and I guess what? He had had a heart attack yeah, or I something. He was
1: still a young man, he was in his 60s, which is sad, yeah. but he wasn't it wasn't like right after he played in the 80s. Like media coverage was there. We had ESPN for decades by yeah. then, like
0: Oh, uh, he had been on a couple of Roy Firestone shows, I guess. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, but but he was always doing interviews. I mean, he was you always think. talking to the media. Anyway, he was very, uh, you know, I mean, very much uh, forward about that. Uh, but but they used artificial intelligence to mimic his voice to have him sort of making statements about certain aspects of things that they were talking about during the course of the uh, of the uh, broadcast. Okay. So I don't know. Well, what do you, have you seen it? It's kind of oh, weird. I haven't know? even
1: heard of it. So that's interesting because Wilt's a yeah. big deal. Wilt's sort of a forgotten figure. So in
0: other words, yeah, they, they, they were quoting him from like maybe something that he had said that was in print, but they didn't have the audio of exactly. it. And they used artificial intelligence to sort of uh, mimic uh, the sound of uh, Chamberlain's voice. And, and he inserts a lot of stuff in, in, in audio that otherwise would have to be read by a narrator. But what do you think about that?
1: I mean, it's fine. They're they're trying to be creative. They're trying to to use AI in a way that it's not going to end the world. Um, So that's nice. (laughs) I don't don't know. I have a whole AI freaks me out. Um, Uh, Yeah. I
0: mean, uh, how quickly does it take over?
1: I don't know. My wife, people in 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 business, because they are very busy, and anyone that can take jobs off their hands without them having to pay them, they're big fans of that, and I can totally understand that. I, who've watched a lot of sci-fi movies, (laughs) see a whole different world (laughs) with AI.
0: Obviously, uh, you know, the Republican Party is using none of that. Trying to figure out. But, uh, no, it's interesting. The documentary itself is interesting. A different kind of presentation.
1: So, my thing is, Bill Russell, look, if you look at his numbers, it w- on the offensive end, it was not impressive. He was. They Average
0: 15.6 points per game. They I were, used to hold uh, that against him. They I, were, I, were I allowed did.
1: to stack the deck in a stupid-ass way. It was a fucking joke, the way that the Celtics were able to just load up. It was. I love you, yes. Mr. Mama, but it was. I mean, you can be the biggest Boston Celtics fan ever. You right some
0: dirt on everybody.
1: No, he just they let him run the league. They He convinced them it was good for them to dominate. So they did. But if you are the best, and, and Russell was, as, as much as they had a roster of Hall of Famers, Russell was their best all-around player. He was their captain. He was their leader. So if you're the best player on a team that over a certain period of time, whether you're playing or coaching, wins 11 titles... Then you're going to be in the Hall of Fame. You're going to be a, uh, you know, a, a
0: great team sport player. You're going no to doubt. be a
1: legend. You're going to be an icon, and and it's yeah. okay. Like there's nothing. It wasn't like he
0: wasn't instrumental. I know the professor would never concede. No, me, but his but, defense, uh, his rebounding, his rebounding and his defense, passing, and then the outlet passes. Yeah,
1: he was a great all-around player. Ken, Ken just makes fun of him for being that big compared to yeah. everyone else and so only scoring. It, it was
0: points. sort of a brick layer as a shooter. He was,
1: but there, here's the thing. No doubt. It's a lot like Anthony Davis on that Kentucky team. Like no, not
0: was, complete though. I mean, uh, he was not the worst offensive look, center.
1: They didn't need him to hearing. score. Like, if you don't need a guy to score and he's willing to capitulate to the other guys, that's something I actually give you credit for. I don't blame you for. Like, maybe he could have scored more. Look, at San Francisco, he scored. Like, when he was in college, uh, he I mean, the pace of dominant. the game. Look,
0: look, he's sending a ball to mid-card after grabbing a rebound. I'm not trying so. to defend
1: Russell or blame, but what I'm saying is certain guys fit in certain boxes, and it's okay that they are in yeah. lore for a reason. Like, to me, to go revisionist... Uh, uh, should definitely be stupid.
0: considered among the greatest
1: players. I just think out. it's dumb to go back, yeah. to, even with Namath, whoever it is, go, well, if you look, thank you. Okay. Yeah. Like, it's just dumb. But like,
0: It's interesting, though, because Oscar Robertson was a far more spectacular player. Yes. Overall he's than, forgotten. than uh, Bill Russell was. But, uh, you know, you, you would rarely hear somebody put Oscar ahead of Bill Russell as a player.
1: No, no, it's because he didn't win because he got fucked. He, got, he didn't get Kareem until he was an old fart, and they yeah. only were able to win one title. But if the you look he at his to shoot stats, that ball like
0: this. Yeah, well, the great. thing is,
1: people, it's is what we do with Curry, but again, Curry has a lot of titles, so I wonder what we do with Curry if he didn't have a lot of titles. Guys who revolutionized the game should get credit for it. Like Oscar Robertson, the stuff he did at his time was
0: He, he averaged a triple-double triple before anybody no cared that. about it. He was a guard yeah.
1: who was big, rebounded for his size, but still was able to pass yeah. and score. Yeah. No one was doing that at his time. Elgin Baylor is a guy that's forgotten. The way he was able to score in his era is fucking ridiculous. Yes. But people forget him. It's and, and he Dr. was a
0: circus-type uh, performer also.
1: Look, I give the guys like Dr. J credit for saying, look, it wasn't me who did this. It was actually Baylor. Baylor was the guy who was the first real athletic dude. Connie Hawkins. and Hawkins, guy. who scored yeah. on the wing in a way that people hadn't really seen. You know, like, but would they get forgotten because of Jordan. And, poor,
0: poor Elgin Baylor. I mean, his, his whole legacy will be those... Ridiculous draft lottery shows where he sat there in stunned disbelief as his team got hosed again.
1: They kept sending the unluckiest
0: man on the face of the earth. I mean, if if Luke Garrig is the luckiest, Elgin Baylor was the unluckiest. I mean, you talk about a kiss of death. You wouldn't want him anywhere near with the track. If you walked by you playing poker and you said, uh, Hey, hey, you know, imagine Mike Mayo's playing poker and Elgin Baylor says hello to him and shakes his hand. That's it. <laughs> Fold him and get the fuck out of there.
1: It's like wheelchair John for you.
0: <laughs> I love wheelchair John as a person, but man, just don't make contact with me at the track. <laughs> That's it. Just rip him up, man. Forte comes right down for a legitimate fouler. How do they let that guy, uh, you know, get away with it? Unbelievable. Thank God for that, man. It made my weekend. All right, uh, that's it. Um, We we never connected with Jason Cole. We'll try and uh, you know get get him on the show sometime during a week here.
1: I did. Uh, I just got him now. Uh, okay. We'll reschedule him maybe for tomorrow, actually. That would be good. All right, see what he can do. Also, no. Sarny, look, first of all, we gave you Big Ten FSU conversations, Sarny, so hopefully that quencher. He does. wants to
0: talk about this French chick that won the golf tournament. Yeah, I don't know anything about. Boutier. Any of it. I'm she sorry. ran away and hid in her own country there, the Avion. Uh, it's like the fifth championship. Ledecky. Of, I, I think the LPGA Tour has like more fifth majors than any, That's any exactly. you know, of the sports that feature that kind of you know, a championship. Look,
1: I give Ledecki credit. She was great two Olympics ago. This last Olympics, she wasn't as great. Um, she,
0: she's got to be in her 40s. I mean, no, Diana Nyan yeah, broke out yeah, when she was did. like 15.
1: Yeah. No, when she did that Olympics where she fucking kicked ass, she was like yeah. 15 or 16. So she's actually still. Right. She's now getting into her 20s, I guess. Uh, okay. I barely watch the Olympics anymore, so I definitely don't give a shit about whatever trials or prep swimming is going which, on. Which,
0: by the way, is there any chance that you know, any international soccer event? that's controlled by FIFA could be fixed. (laughs) Getting back to our thing that you have running there is the opening statement on the show here from uh, the best of last week or whatever that was. But there was a setup for Messi. You don't think Sepp Blatter had some control over that, even though he's no longer the official president of the uh, FIFA International uh, Soccer Organization or whatever it is? I don't know. (laughs) Unbelievable. Should run the Olympic Committee. I don't How crooked are the Olympics? I mean, at oh, this good. point, uh, how could you possibly? You, you talk about a crooked election here. That the, Trump should be the uh, International Olympic Committee. Oh yeah, he fit right in. President no? get away with all the shit he's doing. He would be see? perfect. Yeah, for he'd that get away shit. with all of that. Uh, there you go. So I'm trying. I hope he runs for that.
1: We had that conversation. We did talk about it a little bit, but neither of us really know what the fuck we're talking about. So I'm trying to get John. If we're going to talk Big Ten, the one guy we know that is Mr. Oh, Big yeah. Ten, John Yu. So I'm I'm, I'm re- I reached out. John U. Bacon man. Yeah, he would be the guy. And get him on to explain what the fuck, like, is it really imminent? What is he hearing? U.M., Big
0: Ten. I like it.
1: FSU, are they now? Is U.M. a possibility? And he also is big with college football, so maybe he'll be able to help us explain what the fuck's going on. All right.
0: Well, we'll try and get into uh, some relevant conversations during the rest of the week here. be nice. We didn't really accomplish much today, (laughs) but uh, (laughs) our thanks to Brett Tesser for joining us on the program. That was probably the only relevant thing we had, no? Pretty much. It's unbelievable. So, Cole, Uh, come on
1: tomorrow. Cole's going to come on with us tomorrow morning at 8.30. So, Beautiful.
0: All right, so we have that to look forward to as well. All right, Mike Neal's lunchbox, twelve o'clock today yes. and uh, from the home base. Home basis, and then, yes, sir. Where's this joint in Wilton Manners we're going to on Wednesday? Wilton
1: well, Manners, I don't know. There's there's a specific part of <laughs> I don't know Wilton. Uh, Man- no, I, I, <laughs> I don't, oh, it's in Wilton Manors, Yeah, I don't know. Well, Why do, do I, I, that big? I? have no
0: concept of Wilton Manners, even though it's, it's right, like not that Ol- far from me.
1: Isn't it like? Uh,
0: you know where we should go downtown, eat? At the Wilton north. Manor's Bowling Alley, man. They have a nice uh, sports really bar good. Yeah, Some decent food, um, upscale.
1: Isn't it just like Las Solas but north? <laughs> like, I don't, that's all I know from Wilton Manor's. It there could is, be. Don't yeah. you go downtown and then go all the way around? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you hook a right
0: <laughs> on Federal Highway there by the Egg & You or whatever that place is.
1: Sure.
0: Been there forever. I've never been in there. Have you? The Egg no, & You? No,
1: That's a great name.
0: Yeah. All right. all right, we'll see you at 12 o'clock today. Mike Mayo's Lunchbox. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the uh, participation on the chat, Latin, uh, and, uh, you know, a lot of fun being with you today. Yes. For Mike Louis Lubitz, we're peeling ourselves off the mat later on again at 12 o'clock with the mailman. i uh, Jeff DeForest. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time as we leave. You know that. The time. Did we get to all the Arnie stuff there? I mean, <laughs> yeah, a lot of obscure shit. It was great. It's uh, 9.02 eat a damn snack. Look what they've done to my show.